The views and opinions of today's broadcast are not necessarily the views and opinions of the TJRS radio network. Thank you for being a loyal listener and enjoy the show. Online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS radio network. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Good morning, and welcome to the serious side of the Jay Rouse Show, the show where we discuss politics, social issues affecting people of color, and every now and then a little comedy as well. Now here's your host, Jay Ryle. Thank you so much for the wonderful introduction, and good morning. Today is September 3rd, 2023, and here are the topics that will be discussed on this week's edition of the Serious Side of the J. Wow Show. All right, we're going to begin this half hour in Ohio, where police just released body cam footage of the moment a 21-year-old pregnant black woman was fatally shot by police in a grocery store parking lot. That's right. Police say Takia Young was one of several people accused of stealing alcohol from a nearby store at the time of the incident. The release of this footage comes a week after her death. Uh, Many of you will recall that in the final weeks of 2020, I clearly and repeatedly said that I would not be calling a special session of the General Assembly to overturn the 2020 election results because such an action would have been unconstitutional. If the police had come here and overreacted, I could have been dead. And that's precisely why Fareed's wife, Narinda, started filming this ugly exchange with their neighbor in Montclair, New Jersey. You won't go home. A woman who did, in fact, call police. I filmed her because she started to play race tricks. Another troubling incident for Mitch McConnell. What are your thoughts on running for re-election in 2026? What are my thoughts about what? Running for re-election in 2026. Then the 81-year-old Senate minority leader stood silent. Online radio at its best. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. There is something about stillness. And I believe that this verse is calling us to be still before the Lord because we need to direct all of our attention, all of our focus on the Lord. And if you really think about it, when the Bible says, be still and know that I am God, it's really telling you to stop everything you're doing. Stop worrying. Stop fighting. Stop resisting and start yielding to God. Start listening to God. You see, when you spend time getting to know the Lord, When you spend time in the presence of Jesus Christ, you will truly be transformed. And I encourage you to desire and hunger for these types of rich encounters in the presence of God. Because it's only in those one-to-one intimate encounters that each of us can get a personal revelation of who God truly is. 
It's only in those one-to-one intimate encounters that each of us can be empowered and filled with courage. The courage to face the world and stand up for Christ. The courage to stand up to the devil and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. The prophet Isaiah received a revelation that should inspire all of us to recognize God for who he truly is. Listen carefully to what Isaiah 45 verse 2 to 7 says. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places, that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob my servant's sake, and Israel my elect, I have even called you by your name. I have named you, though you have not known me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. 347-850-1272 is our call-in number, 347-850-1272. It is a beautiful Sunday in my neck of the woods. Hopefully, it is the same in your neck of the woods. And welcome into the serious side. Uh, my name is Jay Rowland. Thank you so much for spending a portion of your day with us. But as always, if you've been a long-time listener of this show, you know what time it is. It's time for me to, you know, share the stage with my colleague, my brother from another mother, the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S. Good morning, man. What's happening to you? Well, good morning, good morning, good morning to you, and good morning, Nestor. Good morning, Kathleen. Good morning, Mom. Good morning, her sister. Good morning, Real Dia. Good morning, Atlanta Music. Good morning, my brother Hawkins. Good morning, my brother Jerome. Elias is in the house. He, had a, he has an extra Barry White thing going on this morning. All right, I hear you, Big Pippin. <laughs> I hear you. Of course, our babies, our big sis, Vanessa Mae Belly from the Macanelli. You know, she's uh, abroad somewhere on this globe on some cruise ship. We wish her well, and we can't wait till she returns. Uh, if you are a longtime listener of the show, you know it's time for us to kind of rapid clap, talk about things that did not make this week's agenda. And if you've been a long-time listener of this network, uh, back in the day we used to have a show called Powerhouse Sports Talk Radio. And so, you know, this morning, let's do a little bit of Powerhouse Sports Talk Radio. You're in the house, Powerhouse Sports Talk Radio, Mr. Elias. I'm not sure if you saw what I saw yesterday, but Coach Primetime. Yeah. Colorado Buffaloes. Shocked the world yesterday. Uh-huh. Yeah. Number 17, TCU in their house, 45 to 43. And when I tell you, Mr. Elias, was it 45 to 43? I think it was a 45 to 42. I don't know what it was. But anywho, Neon Dion is in the house, my brother. Give me a thought on what yeah. you saw yesterday. Amazing. Well, you know, some, 
You know, so man, I watched the uh, game with a couple people from Jackson State, and they, and a lot of people was calling it Jackson State uh, West is what they were calling it. Oh, I like that. So they said, you know, they took a lot of the players from Jackson State, so they uh, not a lot. They, uh, well, yeah, they took a lot of time star star players from Jackson we took, State. We man. took the stars, yeah, but he didn't take a lot. I think yeah. it's what like four, maybe I don't know, but go ahead. Nah, they said it was like eight that he took, man. Really? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. But yeah, they, they they kept calling the Jackson State West, man, because uh, you know <laughs> they had the players, man. But hey, man, great job, coaches. You can you can have the best players in the world, still be a bomb coach and not win anything. So kudos to him. Kudos. Yeah. And I think what a lot of people were waiting for, and I read some commentary, uh, you know during the upcoming week, during the week, I should say. And there were a lot of people, a lot of established coaches. You know, I'll put it this way. It kind of reminds me of Muhammad Ali. Now, and, and hear me out on this. I'm not saying that it had that type of social, uh, you know, uh, impact. But he said something during his press conference that caught my attention when he said, you know, when people see a, and I'm paraphrasing here, a strong black man, confident black man, you know, who's coaching, you know, a team with, I think he said 85% African-American or 75% or whatever that number is, he said, they don't want to see that. You know, it makes them uncomfortable. And I think the way he's coming into college football, you know, and I heard one commentator say this yesterday, that he is changing the way you know, college football coaches are going to have to approach the game. No longer is it the, you know, the old okie-dokie, you know, smoggy-nogi white coaches. You know, he's coming in with pizzazz and flash. And they came out and did the damn thing yesterday. So, uh, hmm. Shador, his, his son, set a school record. Yeah. And he said uh-huh. during his press conference, Shador said, look, he said, I think I threw for more, you know, yards in this game that I've done throughout my whole career. And he said, this is no different than playing, you know, in JS, you know, JSU. He said, the only difference is, is that maybe the defensive linemen are a little faster. He said, but for the most part, the hits are the still, the hits are still the hits. It's like practice. Kudos to that team, man. And what about Travis Hunter? Huh? Was he a dog yesterday or what? Yes. Yes. Mm. Yes. <laughs> That's all I can say is yes. yes. Yeah, so kudos to Coach Prime Time. And I can't wait to watch their home opener uh, next week. And, you know, listen, and people who know me know I'm not a big college football fan. And the reason why was because I felt that colleges were exploiting these kids. You know, that they were making all this money, television money, the coaches, they're making all this money off shoe deals, and the kids weren't getting a damn thing. Well, it's a new day in college football. These kids can, you know, jump in the portal and go play where they want to play, and they can make money. And so now some of the purists in college football are complaining, oh, you know, this is the wrong way of doing it. Oh, no, brother. College football has always been a business. And now the players are participating in the business aspect of it as well. And so now I think I'm going to be coming back to college football because, once again, now that these kids can make money, I'm all in. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm glad they can make the money because they've been done wrong 
for the longest, man. A long they, time. They, they've been exploited. And and, and, and and these people, I really think Ed Banyan, for for his his consistency on what he what he's done with this with the uh, with the programs as far as him fighting for their rights to get their money because he was one of the first ones that said, "Why are you allowed to use my likeness but I'm not allowed to make money off of it?" And I was like, "Makes sense." Now wait a minute, I thought that was I thought that was Ed O'Bannon who who started this whole thing. That's what, that's what I just said. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought you said DM. My bad. My bad. Yeah. So I, you're right. Yeah. He did start this. Uh, he's, right. he's like, hey, UCLA. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. He was watching them on a uh, a video game. He was like, they're using my logic, but I'm not getting paid off of it. There you go. Yeah. Yep. And that set the wheels in motion. But it's something that was long overdue. And I am happy that these kids are starting to make their money now. I know some people were talking about, you know, how do you do this? You have a lot of collegiate athletes. Some people are going to get some money. Some people are not. Hey, man, that's just the way it is. At the end of the day, college football, college basketball, it pays the bills for the universities. You know, it's not a coincidence that the highest paid staff faculty member at most of these major college programs is the basketball or the football coach. There's a reason for that. Put it like this. It's also a name name thing because – there's a guy out of Oklahoma. He's a third-string quarterback, and his name is General Booty, and he's making a mint off of his name. That's that's he's making a mint. There you go. There it is. So it evens out some types of some type of way. But anyway, congratulations to uh, Colorado uh, coach Primetime. You know, I thought during the press conference he was like, you know, we take receipts, but that's been Primetime. You know, he he wanted to call out. Oh, wait a minute, brother. I, he said I read that bull junk you wrote. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he had a chip on his shoulder, and you can tell after the game, he was almost in tears. And like he said during his press conference, he said, look, I'm human. And I know the pressure of the world was on him, so I know he is relieved to watch his team go out and play the way they played. Now, they have some things they need to work on. That defense is soft in the middle, and that special teams. You know, I saw that coming throughout the whole game. They need to tighten that up. But the offense, man, they look good. But here's the key. You know, now teams have tape on them. And so we'll see. I, I, I hope that they go out and do the damn thing. But once again, uh, you know, congrats to Primetime and the whole nine yards. All right. Joe the Plumber, Mr. Elias, died this past week. Joe the Plumber. Now, you know, he was famous during the 2008 presidential campaign when he confronted Barack Obama in Ohio about his tax plan. And so, you know, he became uh, somewhat of a mascot for the McCain campaign, but Joe the Plumber died 49 years old. Mr. Elias, your thoughts, please. I I saw this story. What did he die of? Did he had cancer? I think he died of pancreatic, pancreatic cancer, I think it was. I'm not sure. Okay. But, I, yeah, I you know, yeah. I'll find out. But, yeah, go look it up. I mean, I'm not going to look it up for you. If y'all guys want to know what he died from, go out there. There's a machine called mm-hmm. Google. Use the Google machine. It'll tell you what he died of. But anyway, uh, he died, and uh, so, you know, the thoughts and prayers to his family. Also, Most definitely. a former former Governor uh, Richardson, man, uh, from New Mexico, he passed away. Uh, I didn't wow, see that. that's Yeah, he passed away. Yeah. You know, he was instrumental in, you know, bringing uh, Brittany Griner home. And, he, you know, he had done this in his career. Uh, so he ran for president. I want to say he ran for president in 2008. Uh, along with, uh, you know, Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton. And that's when, you know, President Obama won. 
But at the end of the day, man, uh, he passed away. Uh, thoughts and prayers to his family as, as well. Um, it's you know, I had seen him on television. He had looked like he had lost a lot of weight, but it looks like he died of cancer as well, man. So uh, yeah. you know, thoughts and prayers to the family. Yeah, most definitely, man. I, I I didn't know he had passed away, man. I you know, my news has been limited this week because I've been doing other things, but. You know, man, my thoughts and prayers go out to his family most definitely, man. You don't want to lose a, a family member, man. My God, that's just, I'm swell. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and I think the only, now remind me of this, Mr. Elias, before we go to break. When Rush Limbaugh died, did I say thoughts and prayers to his family? No, no I don't here, think right? so. No, I, I, I think, think so. I was the bigger guy. I think I, I think I did, Mr. Elias. <laughs> I think I, I think said thoughts and prayers to Rush Limbaugh. Are you sure? Are you yeah, sure? I, I'm pretty sure. I, 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 yeah, I don't think you said pretty sure. Pretty mm-hmm. sure is not sure. Now, mm-hmm. but if I didn't, this is long overdue. Thoughts and prayers to Rush Limbaugh and his family. All right, it is time to take an NPR news update. It's time for an NPR news update, I should say. And let's get into the show. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. We are so glad that you are with us this morning. Sit back, relax. We'll be back in about three minutes. Don't go anywhere. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Amy Held. Heavy rain is leading to flood watches across the western U.S., including much of Nevada. There, in the remote Black Rock Desert, flooding has stranded thousands of attendees at the Burning Man Festival. Officials shut the gates, restricting access into and out of the event, where conditions are being described as resembling a mud bath. NPR's Chloe Veltman reports. In a statement on its website, the Burning Man organization said access to the site is closed until further notice. It urged attendees to conserve food, water and fuel and seek shelter. Festival goers are hunkering down after overnight rains deluged their elaborate camps and art installations. This isn't the first time the entrance has been blocked at this year's festival. A group of climate protesters caused miles of gridlock after parking a 28-foot trailer in the way at the start of the event. More rain is expected. Chloe Veltman, NPR News. President Biden says support for Florida will go on as long as it takes. He did aerial and on-the-ground tours Saturday to see damage wrought by Hurricane Idalia. No official tally of storm damage has been released, but it's estimated to cost in the billions. And now, with back-to-back-to-back natural disasters, Biden is asking Congress to boost emergency funding to $16 billion. He spoke from hard-hit Live Oak. Nobody can deny the impact of climate crisis. Nobody intelligent can deny the impact of the climate crisis anymore. Let's look around, around the nation and the world for that matter. Today, it's nearly three times as likely that that an Atlantic-born tropical cyclone will wind up as a hurricane as it was just three decades ago. Scientists know that climate change is fueling hurricanes with warmer ocean waters acting as an accelerant. Residents of Hong Kong and southern China are cleaning up from one of the strongest storms to hit in decades. Typhoon Sayola packed winds of up to 125 miles per hour. And nearby, another storm, Typhoon Haiku, is hitting Taiwan. NPR's Emily Fang reports. China issued its highest typhoon warning and 900,000 people were evacuated from high-risk areas. 
Hong Kong and the southern Chinese city of Guangdong canceled flights in preparation for the storm starting Friday afternoon, but some 300 passengers were stuck in Hong Kong's airport as Seola passed. Guangdong also canceled trains but restarted those Sunday. The storm brought heavy rain and flooding. And Sayola is not the only storm in the Pacific this week. Nearby Taiwan is now bracing for Typhoon Haiku. It will hit the island's east coast first before passing over the island. Emily Fang, NPR News, Taipei. In Ukraine, Russia conducted a massive overnight drone attack, once again hitting the shipping ports on the Danube River west of Odessa. Kiev says they shot down 22 of the 25 drones launched. Damage was done to port infrastructure and two people were injured. It's NPR News. I gotta finish this. Wait, you're gonna post those pictures of Mary? Yep. She thinks she's so hot. But her mom and dad will see them. Her grandmother, her little sister, everyone she knows, it's gonna kill her. Who cares? Just a couple of pictures. It's no big deal. No big deal? Don't. This has gotta stop. Stop cyberbullying. The results could be deadly. Online radio at its best. All right, we're going to begin this half hour in Ohio, where police just released body cam footage of the moment a 21-year-old pregnant black woman was fatally shot by police in a grocery store parking lot. That's right. Police say Takia Young was one of several people accused of stealing alcohol from a nearby store at the time of the incident. The release of this footage comes a week after her death. Yeah, what's becoming apparent as we watch this video today for the first time is that what started as an accusation about shoplifting ended in the death of this young woman and mother of two. Welcome back in. It's uh, 21 minutes after the hour. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Rowe Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS radio network, online radio at its best. Uh, once again, you heard the lead uh, African-American woman pregnant, uh, mother of two, shot, killed, shot dead because apparently um, she was accused of shoplifting. And um, so if you go back and look at the video, just uh, just horrid, uh, just a horrid situation. Mr. Elias, you know, we do these stories uh, so much, and one cannot blame people for being desensitized to the number of incidents that happen when it comes to an encounter between black folks and police. But we have to continue to shine a light on these things because at the end of the day, you know, they become one of you know, thousands and thousands of stories of people losing their lives with the, you know, after they've had an encounter with police. And here's a situation, once again, where deadly force was used, and it really was unnecessary. Give me your thoughts on this, man. De- definitely unnecessary, man, because, you know, okay, you're accused of shoplifting. She drove off. She turned her wheel so that she was trying to get the police officer standing in front of the car. She turned her wheel to get it worse for the police officer. He fired a shot right at her, man. And a lot of people will say that he was in the right because she was using uh, the car. But the car is a weapon. Yeah. It is a weapon, of course. But the bottom line is, man, look, man, you just shot a pregnant woman, a female. Now, my thought process is this. Is I, I hate to do this, but I got to do it. If she was white. Would they have even done anything in this next day? It's like, okay, we got her life to play. Let's go to her house and get her. And that's, that, that's how you felt about it. Or, you know, 
but don't. Well, don't you shouldn't hate to do that. You shouldn't no. hate to do that. I mean, that that's a fact. What you said is yeah. a fact, sir. Go ahead. You know, they they could have they could have went to her house, got her, and and and, and been that and, and done that, man. But what they do, they they use deadly force because it was a black person. They used deadly force, and this woman was not a threat to them in any way, shape, form, or fashion. But they pulled that gun out, and boom, that was it. That that's that's their that's their answer to black folks. Let's pull out a gun and let's shoot them. That's that's what they that's that's what they're known for. That's what they're gonna continue to be known for. And these people don't give a damn about us. You know, and I get accused of. Uh some things on this show in the past and and I'll say this and and, you know and I don't care what you think I don't care what people think when I make these comments I always say self-preservation is important you know at the end of the day just get out the damn car now by me saying that is not by no stretch of the imagination saying that oh the police you know she brought it up on herself but at the end of the day just comply because these guys have guns there's a ton to fight that battle just comply. Now, I was reading some of the comments when I was doing research for this, and people, oh, well, you know, she shouldn't have been shoplifting. What the hell are you talking about? She shouldn't have been shoplifting? What are you? Th- so, so once again, now, the police department has come out and said that the officers were wrong, okay, because that cop purposely positioned himself in front of her car. And so now, like you said, Mr. Elias, what they're going to try to say is their justification for using deadly force was the fact that she used the car as a weapon. You stood in front of the car. And once again, it wasn't a situation where they said, oh, you know, she was accused of murder. They said that they called the police and said, we, we have a suspected shoplifter, and they shot her for it. What type of country are we living in? Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. The smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome is free, is in the house. Good morning, Jerome. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Good morning, Jerome. Good morning, Les. Yep. All right. Uh, you know, man. Once again, and I said this at the top of the show or at least at the top of this segment, that, you know, these stories, we do these stories all the time. And, you know, at some point you can't blame people for being desensitized because, you know, every day I'm pretty sure, and I haven't seen the statistics on this, but I'm pretty sure that probably every day or every other day some black person is shot by the police. I I, I just, you know, and I don't have any numbers on that, but I just have a funny feeling that, you know, that that's the case. So here's a pregnant woman, you know, accused of shoplifting, Jerome. She gets shot by the police who happened to be in the parking lot helping some pedestrian or some up, some citizen who locked themselves out of their car. So they were trying to help. So they were already on the scene. And once again, he asked her to get out the car. But the cop that was talking to her through the window, he didn't have his weapon pulled. But here comes, you know. Joe Police, he gets in front of the car, stop right now, and he pulls his weapon out. What say you, sir? Well, you know, I I know I've um, continued to say this, but in who for whoever ears can see that white people need therapy. I don't think that we can keep denying 
the fact that they're um, they don't hate black people; they fear black people. Yeah. They need to work this out, right? It's nothing that we can do to stop them from being aggressive. That unreasonable belief that you know, at all costs, black people can harm them, no matter what position they're in, no matter if it's a pregnant woman, no matter if it's an eight-year-old. That that unnatural fear that they have of us is from their own guilt and wrongdoing. So even if they don't believe that they have that, they're dealing with that. I have no empathy for it, but I'm just saying that we need to understand that and come to the conclusion that as a society, they're not dealing with their own mental illness because that is a mental uh, um, defect that they're dealing with. So we can't sit here and say, why, why do they keep wronging us? Why are we in this condition? We need to understand what it is that we need to do in dealing with white folks. I know people do not want to hear this. I know white folks don't want to hear this because they already are scared of us. But we can't continue just to pretend that there's some kind of equity or justice in them when it comes to dealing with black people. So I know what people are thinking as an individual, right? Oh, I don't do that. Oh, that was our ancestor. Oh, look at what the movement is across the world. People in Africa in different countries are waking up and saying, hey, you know what? This colonialism and this type of oppression has to stop. And white folks are fear is just expanding like crazy. That fear of scared of us demanding justice for the inequities that they've done across the board. They have an unnatural fear of us. And what they don't know, if you don't know any black people, black people are not concerned with you. It has it does not consume us. I spoke at a college last year and and to their credit, they did this um I forgot what it's called, but it's their first year seminar. So if you're a transfer student or you're a freshman, you mm-hmm. have to go through one credit hour or you won't graduate. You have one credit hour of understanding what diversity and inclusion is, and to deal with that. And I had one of the kids ask me this, a white female. She asked me about, um, I guess her question was, because I kind of explained to her in most African countries, the greeting translates to I see you. So black people, you cannot stand within the foot of a black person and not acknowledge them. We just don't like it. Culturally, we don't do that. You can't sit there and stare at, stare at me and not, me not have me feel some kind of way. So she asked a relevant question. She said, what should I do? I said, you can smile. or She she said, can I smile? Is that acceptable? I said, yes, just acknowledge somebody and keep going. They are just dealing with this. This is a college freshman that asked me this last year, that white folks don't know how to handle us culturally. They have an unnatural fear of us, and they need to deal with that. I don't even – you know, know what to even say about the individual's action, the police officer's mm-hmm. action, because we have too many of these things happening daily. And I think we have a couple, maybe two or three people that die at the hands of um, uh, of white folks uh, a day in this country. Okay. That's just not police officers. 
that's across the board. I think three or something like that. Interesting. I mean, it's, I'm glad it's, you, more, uh... it's more on some days, by the way, but I think it averages about up to like three, three a day. Uh, interesting. Appreciate you uh, bringing that to the table. Now, I, I want to make sure, Mr. Elias, we're consistent because we've talked about this on this show as well, especially when we did the story about the five black police officers who beat the hell out of that kid earlier this year. You know, sometimes, we, you know, yeah, and I agree with Jerome with, with his assessment of, of, of the fear factor that's there because we're going to do a story later on in the show that, you know, it, it illustrates uh, and justifies or proves, you know, what he just said. But we also have to look at the fact that, you know, whether you're black or white, cops in general, right, they feel that they have this authority over you. And if you don't do what they say right then and there, they have the ability to, you know, either, you know, beat the hell out of you or shoot you because there's something about when a police officer gives you a lawful order, when they tell you to do something, they you know they feel that you need to stop everything you're doing right then and there and do what I say because I'm the law. And keep in mind, you know, most police officers are supposed to be what we call uh, peace officers. They're supposed to maintain the peace. Give me your thoughts on it, Mr. Elias. <clears throat> My thoughts are, man, like Richard Pryor used to say, uh, you know, when they killing, they killing just us. Because they, they don't give a damn about us, man. They more, If you look at a lot of videos that you can look at, they, they violate the First Amendment right, they violate your Second Amendment right, they violate your Fourth Amendment right, and your Third Amendment right. They do it all the time, man, because you got a freedom of speech. I, they, they arrested one, one guy for having, uh, he, he said he was a, a butt eater, but he used it. He, he said hey, on, the back of, on the back of his truck he had an ass eater on there. You know that the cop pulled him over and said, unless you take that off the, off the back of your truck, I'm going to arrest you. And the guy was like, I'm not taking it off. Well, his, his first amendment rights are violated because he got the freedom of speech. And he said, well, my daughter could come along to see that, and then I got to explain to her what that means. And he, the guy was like, I don't care. It's my first amendment right. I got freedom of speech. It's not Russia. And the guy, the cop took him in. And this happens on a consistent basis. If you look at it's a video footage of Chicago cops, they arrested a, a black woman because they, they, they said, okay, she didn't want to give you her, she didn't want to give you any information because you wouldn't tell her what you were pulling her over for. They was like, that's right. This is where you violated her rights. And he said, what rights have I violated? And they started naming and said, you don't know about this right, you don't know about that right, you don't know about this right. And they kept saying this stuff, and the cops were like, never heard of it. And I'm, this is stuff that you're supposed to learn in the academy. You take an oath when you become a police officer to, to, uh, to defend and uphold the Constitution of the United States, which is our amendment. And they don't, they, they, they could care less. They could care less. They'll, they'll violate your rights and move on like it's nothing. That's where there's so much money being lost in policing because Citizens are suing them for thirty to forty thousand dollars a time at a time, and, and in Illinois, it's millions now because they they bro- they broke into a lady's house, then they did not have a search warrant because they thought it was a criminal there, and she kept saying, "Why are you in my house? Let me see your search warrant." 
and and he'd say, well, we, we know there's a violent offender in here, and the, and the guy hadn't lived there in that address for maybe three or four years. So she's she's one of the millions of dollars in this case because they had her on camera. She was she was naked. It just makes no yeah. sense to me that they get away with this stuff. And we actually we actually did that story. You know, if you surf YouTube or Instagram or whatever your social uh, media pleasure is, you, you see a lot of videos now of normal citizens confronting police officers, and um, and people say, well, why do they do that? You know, why are they harassing them? You know, no. I mean, the bottom line is, to me, I look at it as a public service announcement or some education that these police officers need to receive. Because when you tell someone to do something, you can't ask me for my ID unless you have a reason to. And I've seen videos of people, you know, we have folks, you know, people walking down the street and police officers, you look like a suspicious person. Well, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Or, or, am I in the middle of committing a crime? Am I in the middle of committing a crime? You know, you need to understand your rights as a citizen. But at the end of the day, once again, and I told this story a thousand times, I'm exaggerating, but I've told this story a lot on this network about what happened to my brother when he had car problems and he was in a mall parking lot at 8 o'clock in the evening and a Merrillville police officer pulled up on him, a female, and she actually pulled her weapon on him. He had his hood up trying to fix his car, and he said, my God, I thought I was going to die. So you can have a situation with your car, and if a police officer confronts you, you know, that's a life or death moment. What type of society do we live in when that could be a possibility? What about the story we did a few years ago where this police officer, this female, she was on her way to another crime. This guy was in the middle of the street, car disabled. She ends up shooting him and killing him, and she was acquitted. So, I mean, my God, what is going on here? A pregnant woman. Now, you can sit here and say, you can argue whether or not, you know, and, and I can just hear some folks, well, you shouldn't have been, you, you did. shut up. Shut up. Now, I will say this, that at the end of the day, I'm not going to put myself in that situation. I'm not going to, you know, do any shoplifting. I'm not going to, you know, I'm just not, because I know how these fools are out here. And I'm not going to confront them. You know, Jerome brought a story up a long time ago about a guy who was leaving a bachelor party, ended up getting shot. How many times, Jerome, in New York? How many times did he shoot that oh, kid? Uh, I can't even remember. He was at Pace University. I remember that kid. Um, What's his name? Bell? Sean Bell? I think that was his name. Sean Bell, yes. It was Sean Bell. And he was he was sitting in his car trying to get out, and the police came in front of the car. He broke no laws, and he was trying to leave, and, yeah, they shot him. And like again, 50, uh, I, I, yeah, how many, t- yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead, Jerome. It was a lot, I'm, I can't remember the numbers, but it, it was, was like it was, 43 uh, or 44 times. Yeah. Yep. Just for, for nothing. For nothing. Unloaded their guns on them. Wow. And, cowards. You know, like, yeah, they're they're cowards. I mean, there's no other way to put that. They have, and and this is not an excuse. Having the unnatural fear of people, like, goes to your anxiety. There are black police officers who have been pulled over by the same um, 
by the same yep. whatever they work for. Same They're brothers. The they for. <laughs> yeah. They're brothers, yeah. Yeah, same thing. And, and I do want to say, too, because you mentioned this before, that even black police, police officers act like white police officers. Because you know why? They get the same training. They're looking for the same things. So which is supposed to be a peace officer, they're just using whatever testosterone, whatever thing about dominating somebody else. They're usually yeah. ex-military. They usually come from places because you know how military works, right? It's like yep. these civilians don't know what's good for them. They teach you that in the military because you're fighting in war. But when you're a police officer, you're not at war. And these these guys don't seem to be able to get that out of their head. You're not at war against your people. But yeah. that is pretty much how we police in this country. And I don't know what any other countries, but I know this one is, um, you know, very different. I mean, I've mm. had interactions with police in Canada and police, I mean, just maybe the couple that I've run across, um, like state troopers in New York State are usually, they are usually like balanced. Honestly, and I know a couple of troopers that, that are friends of mine, but they actually police differently than regular city or county, you know, local jurisdictions. Yeah. They police different. Mm-hmm. In Canada, they police different. Yeah. I don't think they carry guns most of the time. So it's not like yeah. it's unheard of. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. I know, I, I know it's a story out of New York where police were trying to intervene on the Black Lives Matter rally and they had one white officer that was plain clothes and one black officer that was plain clothes and the uh, the, the, uh, the police officer beat the black officer. He's got a lawsuit. He's going against him right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's an I mean, you know, I mean, like you were saying, Mr. Elias, and like you said, Jerome, you know, the bottom line is is that it really doesn't matter if you black. And this is why I don't understand people like Clarence Thomas and all these people who want to run up in white folks' face. At the end of the day, are you know, Tim Scott, you know, hey, man, listen, you black. And at the end of the day, you don't get treated like that. So stop it. I, I saw the video of of the guy when they pulled the FBI up. They were arresting the FBI agent. He was like, look in my pocket. Look in my back pocket. Grab my credentials. He said, this going to be funny. He said, you know what? You're going to kill somebody because you're over-aggressive. You know, you have to learn how to de-escalate these situations. And if you have a gun and badge, you know, to me, you are one of the most dangerous people to African-Americans that exist in this country. Think about that for a second, a police officer. All right, coming up in this week's edition of In 4 Minutes or Less, something that you need to know, the GOP is at it again for North Carolina, man. They're always in the news for all the wrong reasons. It's Kavina time. Four minutes or less. Something that you need to know. We'll be right back after this. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Ryle Show. <laughs> North Carolina's voting rules are about to change dramatically. Republicans in the legislature say their bill is about protecting election integrity. They intend to override a veto by Governor Roy Cooper, a Democrat, who said this. This attack has nothing to do with election security and everything to do with keeping and gaining power. Rusty Jacobs is a political reporter at WUNC in Durham. Hey, Rusty. Hey, Ari. There's a lot in this bill. Tell us about one of the big changes that this package would make to voting in North Carolina. The banner provision in this bill would be the elimination of a three-day grace period for counting 
mail-in ballots postmarked by Election Day. Now, this is a grace period that's been in place since getting unanimous bipartisan approval in 2009. No issues in all the years since then. But remember, in 2020, with elections administrations across the country easing rules around absentee voting because of the surge of interest in that method amid the COVID-19 pandemic, you've got candidates like Donald Trump, then president, casting doubt suddenly on that method of voting, uh, undermining public trust in the method of voting. And suddenly you've got Republicans latching on to that idea, convincing people that they need to change laws to boost election integrity. Now, here's Republican Representative Gray Mills. He's the committee, the chairman of the House Committee on Elections here in the North Carolina General, General Assembly talking about election integrity. North Carolina voters are smart voters. They're conscientious voters. They will know the rules ahead of time. Let's make Election Day mean Election Day. Now, what's specious about that line, Ari, is the fact that in North Carolina, results on, on Election Day are never final or certified until 10 days later when the post-election audit process called the county canvas is done, plus mail-in ballots from military personnel and other citizens overseas are given a nine-day grace period under, under state law. Hmm. Well, what's another big change that this package includes? The change to the conduct or the way the, le the legislation uh, dictates the conduct allowed for partisan poll observers. Cleta Mitchell is a North Carolina-based attorney, uh, an, an ally of Trump, and, and known for her participation in efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. She's got an organization called the Election Integrity Network. North Carolina has a chapter of that group called the North Carolina Election Integrity Team. The leader of that group and Mitchell uh, met with Republican lawmakers ahead of this legislation and really wanted to see the rules expanded for how freely partisan poll observers can move around voting sites. So the legislation now says that they can listen in on conversations between voters and precinct officials as long as those, those conversations only pertain to elections administration. But it's very hard to police that in the moment. And Democrats and uh, Governor Roy Cooper say this is an invitation for partisan interference with voters and, and possible intimidation. Well, in just a couple of sentences, if this entire package does become law, as looks likely. How big of a change is this going to make for politics in this important swing state of North Carolina? Well, again, uh, it, it means that uh, people are going to have to adjust to a new rule. They're going to have to make sure their ballots are postmarked by Election Day and are received by the close of polls on Election Day. Uh, there's also some changes to same-day registration. And, and, of course, you know, you've got partisan poll observers who are going to be within several feet of, of you as you're making these decisions on, on Election Day. Rusty Jacobs of WUNC. Thank you. You're welcome. online radio at its best. Uh, many of you will recall that in the final weeks of 2020, I clearly and repeatedly said that I would not be calling a special session of the General Assembly to overturn the 2020 election results because such an action would have been unconstitutional. There have been calls by one individual in the General Assembly and echoed outside of, the, of these walls by the former president for a special session that would ignore current Georgia law and directly interfere with the proceedings of a separate but equal branch of government. Up to this point, I have not seen any evidence that D.A. Willis's actions or lack thereof warrant action by the prosecuting attorney 
Oversight Commission. But that will ultimately be a decision that the Commission will make. Regardless, in my mind, a special session of the General Assembly to end run around this law is not feasible and may ultimately prove to be unconstitutional. The bottom line is that in the state of Georgia, as long as I'm governor, we're going to follow the law and the Constitution, regardless of who it helps or harms politically. Welcome back in. 48 minutes after the hour, that was uh, Governor Kemp from uh, Georgia saying that, uh, sorry, GOP, we're not going to interfere in the election of Miss Fannie Willis. So welcome back in. You know, Jerome, it's hard, right? Because you would think that this is normal behavior by a responsible adult. But yet and still, when these types of things happen, you know, we want to applaud them. You know, I said I think I said this last week, or if I didn't say it last week, I've said it before, that, you know, where you are politically, you know, I am a sworn enemy against the Republican Party because I don't believe in anything that these guys are trying to push. That's just the way it is. And so sometimes I'm a little hesitant to to to, you know, say, Hey, kudos to you, Governor Kemp. You know, because at the end of the day, you are still putting policies in place that's going to have a negative impact on my people. At the end of the day, I still feel that you put, you know, you, you're still going to sign voter suppression laws to keep my people from voting. At the end of the day, you know, in my opinion, you stole votes. They prevented Stacey Abrams from winning that state in the first place. So it's a mixed bag because, like, on one hand, you want to applaud this man for saying what he had to say, but at the end of the day, that's law anyway. So why are we giving him credit? It's almost like the episode of uh, TNT inside the NBA when uh, when Charles Barkley said, you guys are going to give Shaquille O'Neal credit because he can read? We're going to applaud him because he can read? Really? So, hmm. you know, so tell me, man, how do we how do we approach this? Because he's still a Republican. He still, in my opinion, stole the election. But right. still, what he's saying makes all the sense in the world, and we want to applaud him because he said, look, I'm not going to interfere. We know what you're trying to do. And he called out the GOP state senator who said that he would submit, he would submit, uh, you know, push for her to be impeached. And keep in mind, and we talked about this last week, that they do have a law in the books that will give them the ability to impeach her. And this law went into effect, I want to say, it goes into effect October 1st. Give me your thoughts on this, Jerome. Well, again, I still feel like, you know, the GOP, like every lie has to have some truth in it to be believable because it confuses everyone when, um, when the truth actually comes out. And you can say, oh, well, maybe this, you know. And so when you talk about, the Republicans and doing the right thing while they're doing the wrong thing is just confusing, especially when you're teaching politics to children, right? That all of these contradictions keep people in power. It's just meant to confuse everyone. So he can be right in one instance, but that doesn't make him a good person or a good governor, right? And so I can see why that's confusing and um, why we have, you have to still be skeptical. Nobody really, you know, have to buy into every, into someone's politics 100%, but 
but at the same time, you know, from him protecting election integrity um, with the uh, Fannie Willis investigation, what he knows is this: if he if he approves this, Georgia is most likely, no matter what they do, is probably going to have a Democratic governor sometime soon. And when that stage turns, they're like, we can't take this back when the Democrats are here. He's not just protecting, he's not playing the short game, he's playing the long game. So every law has a contradictory law, and he's just saying, we can't do this because they'll do it to us. And Or the possibility is, Democrats, is, you know what's funny about this to me, is that the Democrats have never shown a solidarity to wrong Republicans. They just don't do that. It's a Big Ten party. The Democrats normally settle or, or, or support Republicans. So when Reagan came into office, the Democrats was like, well, he didn't win president, so we need to support him. When Bush came into office, Democrat, you know, Democrats said, hey, we have to pass the budget, so he won fairly. We need to support him. Democrats normally support Republicans. There's only 28% Republicans in this country. 28. So you're only talking literally um, not even half, probably about 7 or 8% that are just diehard Trump people. That's it. And everybody else is getting wagged, you know, the, the tail wagging the dog situation. That 5 that five to 7% is so strong that it took the Republican Party, who's only 28%, and now they think that they are equal to everyone else. So as they keep changing these laws, it's going to take an effort of big movement just to kick all the Republicans out. But our mindsets aren't that way. Independents and Democrats and even black people will vote for Republicans because Democrats um, have the same issue with dealing with black people, right? The most racist people on this planet is conservative people and really liberal people because really liberal people will say things like, you can't take care of yourself, so we're going to take care of that for you. There's no independence in that. You're still enslaved. So you can see in the bigger picture that's confusing. So this is nothing new that people are still protecting their own way of life to maintain and control and to keep power. So that's all they're doing on the Republican side is most of the decisions are long-term decisions to keep power. It seems like they're short-term because Democrats won't change them back. Biden hasn't even gone in and undo most of Trump stuff. Trump immediately undo, uh, tried to undo all, everything Obama did. Mm. But Biden did not try to do that. He just did his own stuff and said, here's what we're doing, right? Here's the changes that we made. But he didn't go undo um, tr- Trump stuff. He should have went in and undid all of his appointments. There's no way that the post office, for example, should right. have destroyed all of those machines. So now when the next election comes in and they're like, hey, we can't process all of these voter applications, like that's a stupid law to say it had to be postmarked and received by the end of the day of your voting. That just sounds stupid. The post office is never, you're never going to mail a letter the same day and get it delivered the same day. It's not going to happen, right? So putting that in effect is just them understanding that the post office now is slower because the guy who Trump put there dismantled all of those automatic sorting machines, and they slowed down the postal system and took out a lot of mailboxes in black communities. 
like got rid of them, put them on the truck and put them in storage. Mm-hmm. We yeah. didn't we didn't undo that as a country. Right? Or, or I'm sorry, the Biden administration didn't undo that. So we just have to keep living with nonsense. So we just have to get smarter and say, wait, we have to demand that Trump stuff get undone. We still have a stupid ass space force, for example. No reason NASA. They just can integrate that back into NASA, or put it. It's, it's just, NASA's the military anyway. But he creates some space force with a Star Trek logo, and now the the administration is like, oh yeah, let's just go to the space force. Where the heck happened to NASA? Do you know what I mean? So people will make bad decisions, yeah. and other white folks will just carry on like, all right, well we just got to live with that. And black folks will do something, and they will burn it down like like Maui. Oh, I'm sorry, like Hawaii, you know, burn down, yeah. the land burns down, and you're like, oh, we'll just buy it and kick everybody out of here. It, it, yeah. it, it's a pathology that you're dealing with. That's true. I agree with you on that. Uh, you know, Mr. Elias, uh, once again, when we think about, and I think Jerome really explained it, uh, but when we think about this guy Kemp and the fact that the Republicans are, you know, they're trying their best to uh, find a way to derail uh, attorney, uh, you know, attorney Willis's uh, general, general what's, what did she, what is she getting DA district attorney, uh, uh, Fannie Willis's uh, investigation on Trump. They're trying to find a way to derail this. And at the end of the day, they're putting laws in place. And I like the term that Jerome used earlier, He's saying they're, you know, you know, they're playing long range. You know, we always say they're playing chestnut checkers. They're thinking about this thing long term because you have to put things in place right now. So you operate under the cover of darkness, right? You do all these things. You put all these rules and laws into place. And people are like, why, why are we putting this in? And then all of a sudden, bam, the reason we put it in is because now we need to use it, you know, you know three or four years down the line. So give me your thoughts on this, man. What do you think about the fact that okay, he stood up and said, "Hey, we're gonna, we're not." I haven't seen any evidence for us to enact the law that we put in place just in case we wanted to get rid of her ass. But I haven't seen any evidence, so I'm not going to 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 intervene. And I read some of the threads and some of the comments underneath, and boy, Republicans are well, mega Republicans are letting him have it. They're saying, you know what, we're going to vote you out of office because you're a chump and you want to sit here and let the left do what the left do. Your thoughts, please. You're talking about the same Governor Kemp that signed in the law uh, denying the, uh, the voting rights for, for African Americans in, 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 in uh, Cobb County. You're talking about the same Kemp that said that they can't have, they can't bring food out to, to, to people as they vote. You're talking the same ones that said if you give people water, you can be arrested. That camp, you're going to applaud him? Hell no. I don't forget. I remember. You know, it's the same kind of sign that, that, that stuff into law that, that in, in front of a plantation and, 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 and from a plantation painting in front of in his office. So, hell no. I didn't give him credit for nothing for what for doing what he's supposed to do. Hell no. That's not a normal thing to me. Normalcy to me is let everybody go free and fair, a free and fair election, which is what you always claim you want, but yet it's still how is it free and fair for your ass to sit here and, and, and stop people and, and, and have people come to one site to vote.
And then they stood in line all that time to vote. These kind of number way to harm them. But you want to give me credit because you said, well, I ain't going to do this. Hell no. Yeah, it should have been out of office. I don't give them credit for nothing. But you know Not what, though? But see, here's the scary Here's the scary part about that, because like Jerome just said, you know, you may have, because they pull these, you know, every blue moon acts of kindness or, you know, or they act like a rational person, you know, someone who may be disgruntled with, you know, the Democratic Party. Well, well, you know what? He's bipartisan. He's doing the right thing. I'm going to vote for him. That's the type of thing that, that makes me nervous. Like this. What happened in Florida, and by the way, thoughts and prayers to people in Florida. Um, you know, you guys went through a horrific storm this past week, and uh, I know we have a lot of listeners in the Florida area, so, you know, we're definitely thinking about you and your families at this time as you begin the process of rebuilding, uh, you know, everything that you built uh, throughout your life and career. But, you know, when these things happen, you know, you listen to Governor, Governor DeSantis, and you're thinking, man, this guy, you know, he's on, he's on top of it. You know, we're going to pledge X amount of dollars to rebuild. But I love the fact that black folks stayed true to who they were because when he went down to one place and, and spoke, they booed his ass. We're going we're gonna to put a million dollars in it like boo, boo, boo. Yeah, once again, you can act like you got some morality. You can act like you're going to do the right thing. But at the end of the day, we know what you represent. We know what your core is all about. We're not going, no, you're not going to throw us some money or throw us some things and think we're going to forget about what you do and what you are and the things that you've said. Black people, you know, they benefited from slavery. They learned to trade. Are you freaking nuts? Are you crazy? You don't think we're going to forget about that? And like you said, Mr. Elias, this is the same guy, you know, and I didn't know it was Kemp. I knew that there were laws. I couldn't remember what state it was where you can't bring people water while they stand in line. That you know Kemp. what? But Yeah, okay, but you can't, you know, if, if they, you can't aid them if they're in medical distress, if they need water because they're outside in these long lines that you created because you're gerrymandering, but then you're going to stand up in front of the podium and we're going to give you credit for saying something that is the law. It's not like, you know, come on, stop. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. I, I, it's totally I, ridiculous. I, I about the lady that stood up and thought, I ain't not, it's time to put partisan, politics aside. He's here to help. Oh, I don't give a damn. He ain't here to help. He gave me a million dollars when he got about 90 million there. Then he and me. So I just write a little money in front of your face and you can get all the stuff that he's done. And not to mention all the federal funding that he's turning down, that he's turned down for COVID and all this. He's, you know, all the mm-hmm. money for inflation. He's doing this. It's, he's, he's acting like a partisan. He's turning down all mm-hmm. this money that can help Floridians because he's trying to make a statement and trying to stay in the good graces of the MAGA Republicans. It's ridiculous. Do mm-hmm. your research. Stop following these clowns. I remember, you know, five or six years years ago, Jerome, and I'll give you the last word, when we talked about how the Republicans, when President Obama was in office, they were voting against everything that President Obama was trying to put through to put money back into the communities. But guess what? When the big check showed up, guess who was standing right there holding one end of it? The Republican representative for that particular area. And he didn't tell his constituents that he voted against it. But he's going to sit there and take pictures with the big check. 
Man, give me a final That's right. Same, no, it's it's the same thing. Ridiculous. Yep, they're doing the yeah. same thing with Biden. I mean, Biden's economic plan obviously worked. We didn't go into recession. Um, the infrastructure um, stuff that they put in and the CHIPS Act and all of that stuff, it is going to pay off big dividends that, that Republicans, the crazy um, Republicans, um, the Trump people, are going to go back in their communities and act like, look at what we've done. And they have done jack while in mm. Congress. Nothing. All they're talking about is Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, because all they want is scandal before the next election. But a president's child has nothing to do with the job that they are doing. So it's weird to watch this again over and over again because it's the same thing that they've always been doing, sidetracking people with pop culture. You know, I was watching something recently about this where um, they're like, Biden is giving people $700 checks in, in Hawaii. It's like, that's not what he's doing. It is $700 in supplies that you can apply for. But there, there's like numerous agencies there. Like Obama, when Hurricane Sandy came in, they flew in portable gas stations. They did a ton of stuff from the federal side. And Trump threw out paper tiles, and then the Trump administration blocked Puerto Rico from getting any of hurricane funding sure did. that Congress yep. allocated. They allocated to Puerto Rico, and the Trump people stopped them till the day. They still haven't gotten anything, even though probably Biden is probably trying to help. But the money that was allocated by Congress to Puerto Rico, Trump administration stopped it. And it's a weird thing how we turn off our, you know, our brains a little bit to say, hey, I can watch this. I saw a little TikTok on this and blah, 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 and this is the whole truth. We have to deal with people who, like we're doing on this show, we have to give longer explanations for things because people are ignoring all of this historical one-sidedness when it comes down to looking at politics or looking at race and all these other things because they're not getting it on TV because it's not coming from, well, it's coming from white folks' perspective. Even if it's black people delivering the message, they still work for the people who are oppressing everybody else. Mm, can you say the Sinclair group? Uh, remember that story we did a few years back? Yeah. I tell you what, folks, they're, they're play, they are playing Their channel. chess. Yep. <laughs> I'm playing chess. Every day. I can tell you. <laughs> That's true. Same yeah. As... <laughs> We're exposing them, Jerome, one segment at a time. One segment at a time. All right. Coming up hey, next, yep. um, Mariana Music. Go ahead, man. What were you about to say? No, no. I, I was agreeing with you. <laughs> one segment at a time. All right. Mariana Music Corner Part 1 is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the serious side. 347 Seven minutes after the hour. We'll be right back after this. Odds of becoming an astronaut: one in thirteen million two hundred thousand. Odds of being struck by lightning: one in five hundred and seventy-six thousand. Odds of dating a supermodel: one in eighty-eight thousand. Odds of bowling a perfect game: one in eleven thousand five hundred. Odds of being trapped in an elevator. One in 24,528. Odds of catching a ball at a major league game. One in 563. Odds of an injury from shaving. One in 6,585. Odds of tripping while texting. One in 10. 
odds of getting cancer in your lifetime? One in two men. One in three women. It's up to us to change the odds for our generation. For the ones we love. For our future. If you don't like the odds, stand up. Stand up to cancer.
Radio at its best. If the police had come here and overreacted, I could have been dead. And that's precisely why Fareed's wife, Narinda, started filming this ugly exchange with their neighbor in Montclair, New Jersey. You won't go home. A woman who did, in fact, call police. I filmed her because she started to play race tricks that endangered both my husband and my children. Fareed calls this yet another example of white entitlement and black hate. The couple, they're both attorneys, live here. The neighbor's yard sits right next to theirs. Monday, Narinda was on a work call when she says the woman came to her home three times demanding to know if they had a permit to build a stone patio in their backyard. This grown increasingly intense, this desire to, you know, I've described as like deputizing yourself to make sure that I'm following the rules. Narinda says it's been going on for two years from the color of their house, lights in their backyard, the neighbor always has questions, and they give her answers, but this time they felt enough was enough. They had done their research, knew they didn't need a permit. The town confirmed that. When she wasn't getting answers, the neighbor called police with an outrageous claim. She backed up off of the property at that point, and at that point she said, I'm calling the police. You've assaulted me. They are grateful. At least five witnesses' neighbors told police that was not true. You can hear them in the video telling the neighbor, shame on you. Police did respond, but all parties decided not to move forward. Oh, boy. Living while black. Uh, 13 minutes after the hour, you're listening to the serious side. And, you know, Karen alert. Oh, boy. You know, I tell you what, we can do a whole segment on these. Uh, where people are just trying to live their lives and you have some neighbor who feels that they are the law and they feel that they are city council or they feel that they are entitled to confront folks. And I'll tell you what, this happens. I love to know some of the cities where this type of stuff happens. But I'm going to tell you something, Mr. Elias, this couldn't happen in Gary, Indiana. You're not going to roll up on nobody talking crazy to them and don't think you're, gonna get, you're not going to get your ass whipped and get shot. <laughs> I, I just don't, I, I just don't, it's amazing how these people respond. And when I say these people, these Karens. And then what happens is when they don't get a satisfactory answer, then what we're going to do, we're going to weaponize the police department against you. I'm going to step off the curb. You heard her. She stepped off the curb and said, oh, you assaulted me. Now, wait a minute. Now, you came on my property yelling at me. Mm-hmm. And in the past, when you come with some of your outlandish stuff, we've taken the time to explain to you why we did it, which, in my opinion, makes me even more madder. You have to explain to them what the hell. Do you work for the Home Association? What are you? Who are you? I have to explain a damn thing to you. But anyway, out of common courtesy, and because, you know, once again, this is not an encounter at a store where you walk away and you may not ever see this person. This person lives next door to you. This is where you live. This is your home. So now I'm explaining to you why I did what I did, even though you're not in any position of authority over me, but I'm doing this out of the common courtesy of trying to be a neighborly neighbor. And then you come on my property and then, you know, call me names question me, then you're going to call the police against me? And you know what type of environment we're in. Mr. Elias, man, help me make make it make sense to me, brother. Make it make sense to me. Why would it make sense to you? This is white entitlement, man. This is what they do, man. This is, this is how they feel. They feel like 
Like they, they, you know, when I was, I went to all predominantly white school, and they say go back to Africa. I said go back to Scotland, go back to wherever Italy, go back to wherever you from, because you weren't born in this country either, clown. So when you tell me to go back to my country, you should go back to yours. I mean, this, this is how they feel. They feel that they, any, and, and anywhere colonizers have gone, they've taken over and they, they destroyed what, what, what the people have lived there have, have had for centuries. And this is, this is what they do. This is what colonizers do. They feel like they own uh, the neighborhoods, man. And they feel like they own your property because your property ain't up to their standards or what they want. And and then and and then back of the woods, they're gonna come after you. And this is what they do. This is they, they have nothing else to do with their lives but do that. Instead of helping people, they rather hinder. <laughs> you know, Jerome. Once again, here's a situation where a white woman feels that she has the authority to go and yell at a black couple. Now, keep in mind, this is an older story, but just recently. We had a situation where a black couple, they were walking through a home that they just bought. Final walkthrough. And the neighbor saw them and called the cops. Now, I put myself in their shoes, and I'm thinking, did I make a mistake by buying this damn house? Because now I'm not even moved in yet, and they're calling the police. And then we think about the situation with Mr. Alberry. You know, once again, he was walking around, and I've done this before. I've been in neighborhoods. Oh, this is nice, and walk in and take a look at it and say, hey, you know, maybe one day I can own this. It's okay to daydream. You don't have to die because you're daydreaming. You don't have to die because you're black. But, you know, once again, Jerome, same question. Not really the same question because I know it doesn't make sense. But explain it to our listeners. The reason why it's important for us to continue to talk about these stories, why it's, continue, why it's important for us to continue to highlight these things, because at the end of the day, people need to know about the nonsense that's going on in America. Let's say you. Right. Well, again, it's the same case. It's the same situation that we still have people in this country or white folks in this country who feel um, they're privileged. Right, like the black person couldn't afford what we afford, or or things like that. It's because the way our news, the way we cover news, is we cover poverty amongst black people. Like it's the prominent position of black people. There are no middle class black people or rich black folks. Right, they don't cover it that way. They cover a lot of rap and a lot of you know chaos when it comes to black people. And I know that when I spoke to one of the news directors from one of our local stations years ago, I just kind of explained to him, you know, when he said, well, when we come in the community, people throw stuff at the news cars, so they had to start using unmarked cars for the news. And I said, they should throw stuff at you, because you act like there's not a spelling bee going on in the black community. Those go on in the suburbs, and every time something negative happens, you run your butt to the black community. You're white suburban entertainment. And he says, well, we're just playing to a bigger audience. And I said, you're playing to a bigger audience of farmers, right? And so from their perspective, what they're seeing is programming. So their belief about black people is basically what they're being programmed to believe about black folks. I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just saying that it's a part of them being programmed to see us in a certain light. So their reactions are based on them not having any black friends or knowing any black folks. 
So when a black person moves near them that they have not, you know, had any interaction with, they're like, you can't possibly afford this house, you know, unless you're like Will Smith or somebody. Like, they want to make it seem like you have to be an exceptional black person to be in their space. You shouldn't be in this restaurant, right? So they don't, again, need to deal with um, their own emotional disconnect and how their impressions are of black folks is not it has nothing to do with us. We have no work to be done here. And I'm not saying that they want to get any better. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's just tiring for us and black people are gonna stop responding to white people at some point, which is gonna really set them off. Because we can't sit we can't sit here and keep pacifying you. At some point that day is gonna end. That people are just gonna stop answering your questions. And then they're gonna say, Oh well it's just because just because you're doing something. If you're not, if you, how come you can't say, how come you can't show me your ID if you're not doing anything? That makes sense to white people. It does not make sense to black folks. We don't go around asking people for ID. But they feel like their privilege is they need to know who you are. Again, we have no work. And I don't know what their work needs to be. <laughs> All I can say is, you know, like I said, mental mental illness and therapy is, um, something that needs to be addressed in their community specifically. We don't even need to be involved in that stuff, but they need to check and see how they're looking at the rest of the world and wonder why they're programmed to look at the world like they do. Not but, us. When you say, but when you say we're not supposed to be involved in this stuff, we are involved because we're the ones that are, you know, in graveyards all over this country because of nonsense like this. Because we right. know, we you know, the, the first story we did, cop shot, a, you know, a pregnant black woman. Yep. Right? So, yeah. so, so so we are involved. No, don't look at it like that. I'm not saying that we are not, you know, the, the victims. We're not the perpetrators of this, right? So we don't okay. have any, um, we don't have any part to play in fixing it. Right? How many years have we gone as black people? I mean, Martin Luther King went through a whole movement of, you know, we're going to sit here and let white people throw stuff on us and sick dogs on us so that we can show that they're inhumane. Well, how mm-hmm. the hell did that work out for us right now? Now, might, some people might say, oh, that was successful because white folks was able to see how humane they, inhumane they were, so they let up off of us. They did not. They just changed the form in which they, they oppressed. So that what I'm saying is that younger folks, people are getting tired. And it's not like people didn't get tired then. So young people understand what I'm saying because this drives me nuts more than anything else. When I see black people say that we are not our ancestors, you need to understand how strong they were. Everybody did mm-hmm. not make it. <laughs> right? You, that, is a, that is a misnomer. Stop letting people believe, make you believe that black folks succumb to oppression. That's why... Right now, there's a great documentary, and I cannot think of the name of it at the moment, where um, this black guy from England visits um, Australia, and he's talking to Aborigines people. And the guy who he spoke to, who's Aborigines, said to said to him in this documentary, people keep saying that we're drunks and that we are not take care of our, you know, we are we are not integrating society. We don't care. This right. is our land. Leave us alone. If we want to be drunks, let us be drunks. <laughs> They're owning the fact that our people are oppressed, so
So there's things going on in our community. And it's because of you. It ain't because naturally we feel like, you know, we want to fight and sell drugs. And we, we have, there's a reason why we are acting like we're acting or, or why we react like we react. Yes, right. we have to fix that and work on that part, but we have no work to do in making white folks have humanity. Right? Like, we can't tell them that. We can't say, hey, um, y'all don't have the gene of Solomon. Y'all, you, we cannot go in and tell them to be humane. Right. It's not our job. What are we going to do and keep sacrificing ourselves and saying, hey, we're going to be shot anyway, so we shouldn't do anything? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that they need to acknowledge that and work on themselves. And from the age of about eight years, eight years old, white folks need to send their kids to therapy. They need to deal with themselves. And I don't think it's going to happen. I'm just saying just as a minor, you know, suggestion, I'm saying that right. that's something they have to work on. I'm not saying that we shouldn't protect ourselves. I don't believe that we need to stop black people from having guns. There was a ruling, and I think it was the late 1800s, the Supreme Court came through and said that if we strip guns, it leaves black people defenseless. And there were no black people in the Supreme Court when they came down with that ruling because they wanted to regulate guns, but they only wanted to do it for black folks. It's like, no. They have freedoms like everybody else. They need to protect themselves. So being that this, wow. this you know, country is loped up with ammunition, why would black people right. strip themselves? Because we're the victims of everybody. We're the rabbit and the deer in this situation when it comes to aggression. Black people don't have strong aggression against white people. But the littlest, you know, white person, female, will come to a black person and act like they have governance over their body. Get up and move. Do this. They have that innate, like, sense that they're entitled to direct you in, in a matter that disregards your presence. I've had people walk in front of me at stores and act like I wasn't there. You know, and so yeah. I, I had to correct it, though. You know, I would tell Absolutely. a mean story, but I'll save it the next hour. I love that tease. So, so stay tuned because that's a story I think we all want to hear. You know, Mr. Elias, um, and, 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 and the question that I am about to ask you, I am being totally serious. So, so don't think that I'm – okay, all of us were, you know, doing our thing in the 80s, and, you know, we were kids in the 70s, and a lot of us. Let me ask you something, man. Is it worse today? Is it worse today than it was back then? Do you remember? I'm just. I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, I can't remember. Maybe you know what? I think I just answered the wrong question. But let me let me get your response to this. Is it worse today than it was back in the, you know, 80s and 90s? When it comes to, you know, how black folks are being treated by white folks. Nah, to me, because I went when I I went to predominantly white school all my life, so I I I've seen the racism there. I would I would see how they treated black folks and as compared to white folks, and they would let white folks get away with with whatever. 
at the school, but if a black person did, oh, you're being suspended, you're being suspended, and then you would question and say, well, why did he get away with this? And why did, well, it wasn't as severe as what you did. Oh, you're lying. Man, when I was, yeah. when I was in junior high, I got suspended for throwing a book through a screen because they had the Klan. They were showing Klan movies on me. They were showing how the Klan was dominating black folks. Mm-hmm. I, my, my mother came to the school. She was like, hey, 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 what did you get suspended for? And I told her, and, and she was like, can't really beat your ass, but I'd like to. But um, why are y'all showing Klan movies to my son? I said, well, it, it, was, it was just, it was part of the history that we were bringing to him. She said, well, my son don't need to know no, no part of history like that because he, know, he knows about the Klan. He said, I teach him about the Klan, and I taught him what they are about. So don't teach my son none of this stuff. But this is what mm. they did. Oh, yeah, wow. This is what they did. With how they did. They, they had they pictures of the Klan, they riding, they, and they had the tiki torches, and they doing it riding, and all this other stuff, man. So, yeah, I get it. I did it. So was it better? No. Mm. To me, it's, it's still the same. I see the inequities that they treat black folks with. And, and when you call them out on it, they're like, oh, there's no difference. Oh, there's a big difference. There's yeah, a big you just said something that could be wow. I, I'll uh, we may have to talk about that one. That's interesting with that story you just told. But but yeah, and I think the reason why I said I think I answered my question is because now that we have social media, social media brings you know we're in places now that we could never imagine. You know now we can see what's happening in New York. We can see what's happening in you know Georgia. We can see everything that's going on because we have a lens now with social media where in the past, you know, you were, you know, if it didn't happen locally, you didn't see it. So I, I, like I said, I think I just answered that question. Interesting. All right. We're going to step out, take a break. It's the bottom of the hour coming up part two of Marietta music's corner. And uh, we'll continue to rock. We have about 30 minutes left coming up at the top of the hour. It's on a need to know basis with that guy smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Esprit. Right. 347-850-1272. Beautiful Sunday. Glad you guys are here. We'll be right back after this. Once upon a time, in a place called Mzansi, the people love driving cars everywhere. They use lots and lots of electricity and chop down many trees for firewood. And then a very strange thing happened. The weather began to change. In some places there were droughts where before there was rain. In other places the rivers flooded. The grown-ups realized they were contributing to the strange weather. They discovered if they used clean energy and less electricity, they could save Mzansi for their children. What happened then? How the story unfolds is up to each and every one of us. Switch off, recycle, change. Help save tomorrow, today.
347-850-1272 is our calling number. 347-850-1272 is the number. It's 35 minutes after the hour. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Riles Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network. But it's time to say good morning to our peeps. What's going on to the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Spreeman? Good morning. How are you, sir, on this beautiful Sunday? Yes, sir. I'm good, man. How you doing? Doing fine. I'm doing fine, my brother. The man that gets the first and last word here on the serious side, the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S. What's happening, man? Good morning to you. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning to you. And uh, good morning, Nessa. Uh, good morning, Real Gaya. Uh, good morning, Kathleen. Uh, good morning, uh, Good morning, uh, Man of Music. And Man of Music, that first song was Talking in Your Sleep, and it was by Groove the Okay, so Groove the Prairie Italia. And the last song was Don't Speak in by uh, Sarah Mistel. And good morning, my brother Hawk, and good morning, my brother Jerome. Mr. Yes, yes, man, can we say hello to some people in the uh, world famous chat room, sir, if you don't mind? Uh, we got Yarn Truck in there with us. That's it. Even Covian man parts today after this a holiday weekend. Nah, Mr. You know, man, community man always catches up. What's happening to you in the chat room? Want to say what's up to the pastor? Want to say what's up to a lot of people who are starting to chime in on the show? Uh, we're going to have some interesting comments during the Pastor Steve State Your Case comment portion of the show. That'll be fun. Uh, you know, Mr. Elias, now, I don't know if you recognize any of that music, man. You know, I miss my newfound cousins. You know, we were cruising a few weeks back and. Uh, I don't know if you remember when we were in that one port and they were when the guys were up on the little thingy they were swinging around. What were they called? The at, what were those guys called again? Uh, what port? Yeah, remember they were. Oh, well, remember. Yeah. Well, remember the guys yeah, that was up. Yeah, there was yeah, only one port. Was, um, they were. Uh, no, ports. Um, they were the one port that had the guys swinging from a pole. Yeah, by what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. They were, they were, I can't remember the name of those people, man. Okay, forget wow. it. All right, now, never mind. Anyway, so in that port city, they were playing some just beautiful music. I'm like, ah. <laughs> so I was like, let's bring a little bit of the cruise to the show. Ah. So, yeah, so anyway, that music was, came from that uh, port visit that we can't remember the name of the port. All right. Uh, listen, we have one more topic. Uh, let's get into it. Online radio at its best. Another troubling incident for Mitch McConnell. What are your thoughts on running for re-election in 2020? What are my thoughts about what? Running for re-election in 2020. Oh. That's good. Then the 81-year-old Senate minority leader stood silent. An aide steps in. Did you hear the question, Senator? Running for re-election in 2026? Yes. Still just a blank expression. All right, I'm sorry, you all. We're going to need a minute. Penny. A member of his security detail comes forward. Uh-huh. Okay. Somebody else have a question? Please speak up. Last month, McConnell froze for 23 seconds before being escorted away. He returned shortly after, telling reporters, I'm fine. Now, another freeze. 
We spoke to neurologist Dr. Leah Kroll. It's clear that a neurologic event of some kind happened, and for it to happen more than once is worrisome. President Biden was asked about the McConnell incident today. He's a good friend, and so I'm going to try to get in touch with him uh, later this afternoon. All right, uh, you know, we talked about this on the show a lot. Now, yeah, whether you like Mitch McConnell or not, that's irrelevant at this stage. But once again, here is a senior citizen that's uh, serving public office, and we're starting to see uh, right before the public uh, that this guy is, uh, you know, listen, age is age. I mean, the bottom line is as we get older, things change. And, you know, this kind of goes back to a discussion we had before on the show about you know, term limitations. I mean, him, you know, dying, fine sign. I mean, come on. I mean, what, 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 why is – I don't understand the way our constitutions, our constitution is written. It's like we run into these what I call common sense situations, and we can't make any changes because of the way the Constitution was written. Keep in mind, it was written in 1776 or whatever the damn thing was written. And so it's like, my God, guys, this man is not capable of continuing to hold office because he's too old. It's just a fact. That's not being nasty. But I can't understand for the, for the life of me, why can't we make these common sense changes when they are warranted? This is nuts. I mean, he's not even, oh, my God. And, and, it's, and it's sad to see. It really and truly is. And when I look at Mitch McConnell, I don't, look, I don't see the guy that says, you know, my goal is to make President Obama a one-term president. Or the same guy who prevented President Obama from, you know, uh, 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 putting another Supreme Court justice, putting another justice That's on the awesome. Supreme Court. Yeah, but you know what? Yeah, I do see that, Mr. Elias, but what I'm saying is I don't wish any ill will on him because of this. I don't want the man to die. I don't I don't take pleasure in watching him go through what he's going through. But at the same time, we have to start calling the spade a spade. I mean, you continue to put yourself in these situations, and so be it. I mean, at the end of the day, how can we not call it out? He needs to go. Diane Feinstein, uh, she needs to go. These people, I mean, come on, Jerome, help me out, man. You're a political strategist. I mean, what is it about these people wanting to maintain office until they I mean, good, it's got to be the easiest job in the world, in my opinion. Because, you know, they don't have the time. They don't work. They go on freaking over. Oh, Congress is in recess for three or four months. I mean, damn, give me a job like that. I can work for a month or not even work. Because like you talked about earlier in the show, the House of Representatives, what the hell are they doing? Not passing laws or doing their ass is trying to get Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden's laptop. They're going after a person who's not even a member of the administration. However, they let, you know, freaking uh uh Bushner Cook Kushler and his wife rack billions of dollars while they were serving on an administration. But I've digressed. But what about this, man? Why can't we? Why can't people just say, "Look, it's"? I mean, come on, man. What is up? Why is there an issue with term limits? The president well, has them. Yeah, there's a couple of reasons for um, with this, though. 
when you have term limits. So as populations go that you do get to elect your, your representatives, and so the only way you can get somebody office is to, out of office is to vote them out. So people, wisdom comes with age, and sometimes you get to situations where um, your population is comfortable with their representation. And it's like, okay, they just want that person there. I mean, Strong Thurman, what, he was like 100, right, and he died in office. Um, yeah, I thought he you was, know, it thought does, he was in his 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how old was he? I thought he was in his 90s. But, we'll, you know, go ahead. Well, I'll look it up while you're, while you're know, making your comment. I know he was in his 90s. I know he was in there. But I, I, all I'm saying is that, you know, we can't really do that as a nation to tell – you cannot turn over Congress like you can your local um, your local common council, your local legislature. And the reason is is because Whoa. because you need to have some stability in your government. So you just can't keep putting new people in that piece every two or six or eight years because it wisdom again comes with age. So I can tell you this, uh, you know, just from you know my job. <laughs> is that people call me because they don't have any historical reference to events, dates, or whatever, so they are not. They have to put together a team that will inform them. And when you get young people in sometimes, they just make things new, like without knowing why something is already there, if that makes sense. So I was just speaking to someone who was running for office in Maryland yesterday, and I was um, explaining that because she was young. She's young. She was I shouldn't say how old she is, but she, she's young. And um, I think that what happens is that we seem to think that we can reinvent the reinvent the wheel, like going into office makes you smarter than everybody else, and it really does not. So having people time out because of age is not a good policy because who knows historic events that happen in the Middle East or whomever or U.S. policy, somebody who's been in office. The Senate in particular is really difficult. It's very difficult for a, a junior senator to even work their way around Senate rules. I don't care what kind of staff you had because the staffs are usually young people. So you have to research them. They get staff from other people. They don't make very much money. The staff intern people don't. So those guys are always turning over really quickly. But to have stability in your government, yes, you do have to have some people, and term limits would probably hinder you in there. I know it seems like a good idea, but sometimes it really isn't. Wisdom does come with age, and and people are short-term thinkers. And you can tell right now in our society, you have a lot of people who are like, all you have to do is do this, and they'll create another problem by trying to fix one thing because they didn't long-term think it, you know, in our area, we're having this this debate about bringing down the interstate. So the politicians are saying, take it down, take it down. The state is saying, take it down. But, you know, our congressman at the time, who was a Republican, said that he can't figure out who in the federal government makes the decision on taking down the interstate. And my response to that was, I saw him say this on TV, and I was talking to, to someone later, and I said the reason that he doesn't know is because it's the Pentagon that determines the interstates. It's the Eisenhower system. They're met for military transport. That's why every major city has an interstate that goes through it. Contingency plan. The interstates are not made for commuter traffic. 
And if you don't understand that, you'll be like, oh, just take that thing down. Well, there's there's military caches in everybody's city. There's, a, you know, a, um, a armory. There's other things in cities that the military may have to get to. They don't just put those things up because you think it's a quicker way to the mall, right? There's planning. So when you don't have someone, there's, there's, there's folks that actually understand what a grid system is. I tell some young people, your interstates, the odd numbers are north-south and the even numbers are east-west. Most people get on the freeway and don't know that Interstate 10 goes across the country or 20 or 30 or 90 where I am. They're all even numbers east-west. The north-south is the odd numbers. 95 all the way to California to 5. So if you don't have any historic reference and have information, again, you can't just put people there just because they went to school and learned some system that told them what political science was. Real-world experience is a lot different. So you have to let the people determine their representatives are going to be. That's interesting. You know, I, well, I didn't know that. I thought he would be on the side of term limits. But, you know, you can say the same thing for the president of the United States. I mean, I mean, if that guy, if that person can have term limits to me anyway, can Mr. Taylor, give me your thoughts on this real quick before we step out from break. Well, you know something, man, like I said, bottom line, Fire Slash should have stepped down and and Mitch McConnell should step down too. Bottom line. You know, I don't if you're if you have a certain age and you still can you know, comprehend, and you're not having those kind of uh, moments, senior moments where somebody got to tell you what to do and how to do it, now you should be allowed to do your job. But if you don't, hey, man, look, I know some I know some sharp uh, 90-year-olds when I, when I used to go to my mother's nursing home that they typically couldn't do it anymore, but their mind was sharp as ever. Yeah. yeah strong someone there to be 101 years old. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. So are you for term limits, yes or no? Yeah, I'm definitely for term limits on any job. Yeah, most definitely. Interesting. And just a side note, uh, Strom Thurmond was 100 when he passed away, and he was still serving when he died. So a good call by you, Jerome. All right, we're going to step out, take a real quick break, then we'll be back with our final thoughts. Don't you go anywhere, 347-850-1272. It is the serious out on a beautiful Sunday. We'll be right back after this. The day before the drone attacks, Ukrainian officials say two cargo vessels left port in the Odessa region safely, and they're on their way to Turkey. The temporary corridor began operating last month for ships trapped by Russia's invasion. Tomorrow, Turkey's president will try to persuade Russian President Vladimir Putin to return to the Black Sea grain deal abandoned in July. Turkey's Recep Tayyip Erdogan has pledged to renew the arrangement that allowed tons of grain and other commodities to flow from Ukraine helping avert a global food crisis. The Islamic Society of North America is holding its 60th annual convention this weekend. As NPR's Jason DeRose reports, the organization is expecting more than 20,000 people to convene just outside of Chicago. The Islamic Society of North America's annual conference over Labor Day weekend is the largest regular gathering of Muslims in the United States. This year's meeting features a Muslim chaplain's training program with the theme, Leadership in Light of the Islamic Values of Compassion and 
humility. Sessions this year include ones on the impact of human-caused climate change on vulnerable communities, various Islamic views on LGBTQ rights, and institutional Islamophobia in airports, schools, and banks. The meeting also includes some fun, a large speed dating event, and a performance by comedian Preacher Moss, founder of the Allah Made Me Funny stand-up tour. Jason DeRose, NPR News. I'm Amy Held in Washington, and you're listening to NPR News. There's a new way to support this show and public media. Please consider signing up for the NPR Plus podcast bundle. NPR Plus listeners get to unlock sponsor-free shows and bonus episodes. You can find out more at plus.npr.org, and thanks. All right, folks, it is time for our State Your Case, Pastor Steve State Your Case, where we read comments from the world-famous chat room and from uh, social media sites that we monitor throughout the course of the show. Mr. Ellis, I should have asked you this early. Do you have anything from the chat room, sir? No, I do not, sir. All right, well, I have plenty. Let me read some of this stuff. This Actually, this turns out to be pretty good. All right, so here we go. Uh, let me get there. Hurry, hurry. All right, here we go. Uh, Pastor Steve always checks in, uh, the namesake for this segment. He says, good morning, fam. Great show this morning. It is good to be heard again on the show. Jerome was really on his game this morning. You guys are the best. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, Jannard, am I saying that correctly, from Tallahassee, Florida, says, good morning, and thank you for reading my message. Jannard, how did you know I was going to read your message? He says, Jay, you are right. A Republican is a Republican is a Republican. They can't change, just like a tiger can't change their stripes. Please. I mean, I thought it was a zebra can't change their stripes, but whatever. We get the point. All right. uh, Loretta from Trenton, New Jersey. I like this. I finally found a serious podcast. Brothers that are speaking the truth. Brothers that are speaking to and with our people versus speaking at them. This show is a breath of fresh air. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I am a new fan and will tell others about this outstanding podcast. FYI, the music ain't bad either. LOL. Well, Loretta, welcome to the serious. We need to come up with a name for the serious side fans. The the Syria Hawks. The, well, we need to, Mr. Elias, come up with something that we can call our fan base, man. But Loretta, thank you so much. I'm looking you know, for it, sir. Yeah, I take offense to podcast. Podcast is an Apple thing. We're not eh, okay. We're gonna call it a podcast, whatever. But thank you so much for uh, coming on board. All right, let me see. I have uh, one more. Let me read two more. All right, so here's one from Deetra, Atlanta, Georgia. She says, uh, Governor Brian Kemp is a joke, and like Jerome said, his days are numbered. We are going to vote his. Ooh, I can't read that. Out of office. Okay, Deidre, I can't read all that stuff you put in there, but we get the point. Thank you. Uh, let's read one more. Uh, one from <laughs> hey, G. I'll pay the fine. I'll pay the fine. Well, ahead, well yeah. Yeah, I'm going to read that mess. All right, G.G. from Dallas, Texas. Uh, oh, here we go. Y'all keep doing these stories. Uh, okay. Y'all keep doing these stories. All you see on social media are ex-athletes debating who's better Michael Jordan or LeBron James, uh, by the way, it's Michael Jordan, uh, or my beautiful black sisters showing their asses to the world. Ouch. 
we need more shows like this spitting facts, not nonsense. Well, GG, first of all, like I said, Michael Jordan is the GOAT, okay? Not even close. As far as your uh, black oh. sisters showing their high parts to the world, let's not come to a conclusion. Let's not be judgmental, <laughs> GG. Let's not be judgmental, okay? Oh. Let's not be judgmental. All right. Hey, yes. I, got, I, I, just, I, I got one quick one from Ray from Yard Jack. He said, all due respect, I totally disagree with your assessment, Jerome. We need term limits for our elected government officials. There's term limits for airline pilots, police officers, etc. He just okay. Uh, no, no. The difference in term limits. Well, let me uh, say this really wait. quickly. The difference in term yeah. limits in saying somebody's cognitive skills, like their age, is very different. You don't have okay. term limits when you're like 60 years old. You're not that doggone old. Right? Like, so somebody can't. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know what I mean? So, say you went to office when you were 20. Me too. Like, there's a lot of young people in office. You give them an eight year term limit, they're like 28, and you're like, you can't run no more for the rest of your life because now you're too old. It don't make sense. So, you have to watch the difference in. Maybe a retirement age should be, you should be, you should be retired at this age. Hold on, guys. Hold on, guys. What, what, real quick, let, let me do this. Let me do this. Let me do this. Online radio at its best. Okay. Go ahead and finish your thoughts now. Got to get us into the last final thoughts. Go ahead. Go ahead, guys. <laughs> no, I, no, I was just making the point that there's a big difference between saying somebody's like, like cognitive skills has declined, like they're aged, they're aged out of something, opposed to having a term limit. Because yeah. what you're doing is you're telling the person because of their age that they, that um, they're done in leadership. And that's not really how the world works. You don't tell your parents that you can't lead your household anymore because you turn a certain age. You just get your butt out. Run against that person. Get them up out of office. But having a term limit does not, does not help you in having historical data. You have to remember... Wisdom comes with age. Just because you're smart and have a PhD from MIT can mean that you're stupid. Mm. Right? So you have to remember that real world experience when you're playing with people's lives is important. That's why the founding fathers in the country was at least that smart where they were like, okay, just because you're king don't make you rule all of us. You should be able to run whether you have money or not. There's no requirement in some of those jobs to run for office because the people can determine who their leadership needs to be. And if they want that fool to be 90 years old, well, hell, let them be 90. But that vote right. of office. No, I'm That's just saying, like, we get in philosophical disagreements about stuff because people are looking at little short TikToks or, or Mitch McConnell having his moment, and then they're projecting that on other people. These people, when you're in federal government that big, you have an office staff and a team. You're just a figurehead at that point, and you have to do constituent services all right, and all of those other things. Bro, bro we're under 90 seconds, man. You're you, you taking all our time, bro. I mean, my kids, I want to say something to my mama. Miss Ellie, that? Yeah, y'all, I need to say something to my All right, Mr. Elias, man, come on, man, give me your final thoughts, man. We're 90 seconds under. I, 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 I owe it to you, man. You can have my time. 
Well, I want to say something, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. In two days, my mother will be 80 years old. I am so blessed and thankful that my mother is still here. Mama, I love you. I love you, and I know you're going through a tough time, but we are here for you. We love you to death. And, man, I can't tell you, I can't wait to see you for your 80th birthday party. So, Mr. Elias, if it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, man, what time is it? It is time for the serious side of the day. Wow. Show. Folks, it's been a pleasure to serve you as always. Thank you so much for your loyalty to our show. And remember, if it is Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, it is the serious side. So for my brothers, Jerome and Mr. Elias and Vanessa, we love you. We'll see you back here next week. It is time for On a Need to Know Basis with my main man, Mr. Jerome Street. Don't go anywhere. Five, four, three, two, one. The first lady dazzles on election night in a... Tell me, what do you want me to do? Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Oh yeah, folks, you know what time it is. It is time for all the need-to-know basis with that guy, the man, the myth. The legend, the one and only Mr. Jerome Reed. What's going on, brother? What's happening today? Yeah. What you got going on? I was going to say, you know, in light of my um, disrupting the show <laughs> with that, that's <laughs> one thing. I, there's not a lot of things that move me. But one of the things is that we cannot keep, like, turning over our own, um, you know, systems to younger people because that's how – you know, older folks keep control by having people fight, and young people don't realize that, you know, wisdom comes with age. But young pe- older people don't really want power like that. People just want to be left alone and retire, but they need to still mentor. So you still mentor people at an older age, but term limits in some situations are not the answer to the question. Um, I've dealt with 501c3s and organizations like that where they'll have you know, three-year term limits and every third of your board have to roll off. And I'm like, you realize after rolling through your board twice, your organization is going to go to hell because that's usually how that goes. You can't, the people who start something are usually not the people who had the vision for the, um, the bigger picture vision and the outcome. So Sam Walmart, like they said, should probably be rolling over in his grave for what his children did to Walmart as a store. Right? It's just a cash cow to them. You know, the way they treat their employees and all the other stuff, their, their father would never go for that. So just want to stop the, the hate of people by their age. Because, again, in some cases, yes, some people need to go somewhere and sit down. But DeSantis needs to go sit down. Um, Abbott needs to go somewhere and sit down. Right? You, there are some younger people who need to sit their asses down, too. So... I just wanted to start off this show by finishing that conversation and saying that we need to be really careful about what we're asking for because we already don't have enough security and balance in this country just to act like older folks need to sit down just because they're older. That's a young man's well, game well, anyway. Well, let me ask you, and I don't want to, you know, we don't want to, I don't want to, you know, obviously come and step out that you guys do your thing, but real, something to think about it. We can talk about it next week. Uh, but why can't we have that same philosophy when it comes to the president? I mean, I, you know, I, if you're in favor of not 
having term limits, then why do we have one for the, to me, the most important position that's in the world? I, and like I said, we don't have to get into the conversation, just food for thought, and we can talk about it next week if you like. But yeah, that's just no, the way I think about, about it. Think about it. Okay, so, right. George, Washington, George Washington did not want to stay on because he figured that we just came from a king kind of situation and that we need to humbly relinquish power to each other. It wasn't that that dude didn't still have power. It's just that he, they were setting a precedent for saying that we need to, you know, trans, you know, turn over power. And you realize we, in this country that we can change a law in a minute. So who we, was it? Well, FDR to have term? Yeah, yeah. yeah all these, correct me if I'm wrong. They, they, they didn't have time limits for president until FDR, right? Right. Right, because they came back and said, oh, I want another term. They changed the rules for him. And let him have a third term. So you can you can have you can supersede your term limits. You get a waiver. Who, who did that? Bloomberg did that in New York City. They have term limits. It's just your legislative body has to say, hey, you know what? We want you on for another term. They have to vote, and they can put your butt back on the ballot. So every law, just like just like with the Supreme Court, can be overturned at any given time. It's just, how, it's just how much you want to play within the rules. Like Trump tried to tried to overthrow the government, right? And he had enough people in Congress to say, hey, you know what? We don't want to count their electors. We're going to send our own. And the law caught up to them because they're saying, hey, you know that was illegal for you to do. It wouldn't have been illegal if they just wouldn't prosecute you. <laughs> but, he knew it. He knew it. You know he what I mean? He knew it and he did it anyway. He, right. He did but it I'm anyway. Saying, I was, Giuliani was a prosecutor. He knew that. Mm-hmm. That's why with black women that he that he defamed and said, oh, they they were conspiring and they were cheating. He knew that him that for him doing that he can get sued. So they sued him civilly. They won because Giuliani didn't want to testify or 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 relinquish go through discovery. He didn't want to be cross examined. Because he has a criminal case coming up, but he knew what he did. He knew he was deplaning them white, them two black women. He just didn't think mm-hmm. they would sue him. So, you know, he's going to lose money, and you should break all of those people. Just like, um, you know, Trump in New York, you know, with Letitia James in New York State, right? That in the middle of the Trump thing, he tried that in New York State. She's this and she's that. She had an election. She still won. So she's still prosecuting his butt. I wonder if Giuliani is playing broke now because he don't want to have to pay those ladies. Well, they say he got a seven million dollar property, but he had to, he, he don't have enough money to get bail. Man, something's wrong not right with that. No, because rich people know how to hide their money. So I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that for everybody who's who's aspiring to be rich and is going to be there, you put your money in a trust like Mick Romney did, right, when they said how much money does Mick Romney have, they have their money in a trust that is overseen kind of by his wife. You can spend and pay your bills out of that trust, but technically if you get sued, you cannot sue someone's trust. You have to sue that person. So rich people claim to be broke all the time because they just put their money into not not a living trust, not a not a an asset for um, for death benefit's sake. But then you it's can put it into a trust. Revocable trust. Right. That way they can change it, yeah. Revocable trust. Yeah. 
So that's that's what happens is that people always plan for being sued when you have a lot of money and they just put their money in into um, vehicles that you can't sue for. It's kind of like OJ. I think that's the funniest thing to me is the running joke that OJ is broke is crazy because Johnny Cochran and those guys were smart. They put his money into a pension. You cannot sue somebody's pension. So I don't know what the number is now, but I think he gets something crazy like, um, I, I don't know, it's something crazy. To, um, I think about $50,000 a month or something. Now. <laughs> like he gets a ton of money wow. monthly, but he's because they can't sue him for it. So anytime they're like, anytime he gets money, we're going to sue him for it. He has he has a pension, right, and that you can't sue for. So, um, you know, when, when we think about stuff, like I said, you know, kids watching TikTok and having a little bit of information, it will make you believe that you can see the bigger picture without having some kind of understanding of a situation. And speaking of OJ... It's like every time I talk about the OJ trial, it reminds me of that in the Million Man March. The more time that passed, the more that um, a lie will take, will take hold, right? And so OJ's situation, he didn't kill her. They knew that there was two footprints on the side, bloody footprints. One was an eight and a half. One was, a, one was a eight and a, a, a nine, a size nine and a size ten and a half shoe. Both of them, that was on the scene of the killers. And that's not O.J.'s shoe size. He wasn't even there. And the interesting thing is that as we go, people refuse to go back and read transcripts and figure out what the evidence was. They just believe Nancy Grace's crazy self, who was lying like Giuliani at that time. She was on, on TV making claims that was not true. And we do this without having people who are historians or people who have enough information to come back and correct for those, um, some of those stories. So we need to do a better, a better job of that. And, again, I know that's not everybody's, um, you know, you know um, chosen field, but usually while I'm talking, I usually like to spend time to correct bad information because, you know, who – Whose responsibility is that to do that but your elders anyway? That's why you should understand you need to go to your elders um, to seek guidance. Uh, you know, I was, I was talking to some college students about this one time, and um, I was on a panel, which I don't do, but I was on a panel, and this white guy who's a pastor was on the panel, and he told a bunch of black folks that you should not picket and march, you have to do something different than what the people did before you. They were college students. You know, I looked at that fool like he was crazy. But I let him finish. And then it was probably four panelists. I was just one of them. And by the time they came around to me, I said, do not listen to that fool. Right? You guys are in college. You have elders. I have been out of school longer than you've been born. So these problems that we have in that we have right now has been contemplated by me longer than you've been born. Your biggest worry in the world in the last two years is what you were going to wear to the prom. And now they're throwing on, you know, (laughs) all of these heavy things on you, telling you that you need to make a decision on how to deal with white folks or how to deal with white supremacy or, or racism. Right. So it's, it's that Charles, um, 
Charles Barkley is not a philosopher, by the way, when I say this. It was kind of like Charles Barkley saying, before I, um, he said, when you finally understand how to play basketball, you're too old to play it. That's how life is. All of that energy that you're wasting, um, before you get smart, you'll wish, you'll wish you had once you knew something. You'll say, I wish I knew this. I wouldn't have shot there. I wish I knew this. Yeah, you're just burning through energy right now, but your elders are the one that keeps you, keep you intact. So in African That's culture, sure. yeah, your grandparents raise your children. Because if you have a child at 20, you still know squat. So the, the parents usually defer to their parents when it comes to raising their own children. That's in our culture. You don't go ahead and say, I got my own child, I live my own life, I make my decisions, because now your child doesn't have any guidance. But yeah. you're still raising your child on how to raise a child. See how that works? So yeah. the moral of that story is stop listening to Europeans. Their culture does not fit in this situation, <laughs> in most situations. So I just wanted to throw that out there. All right. So I guess we should get into the news. <laughs> We, we had to carry the, the other show over a little bit longer just because I don't, you know, the one thing is when someone asks questions, we, you know, people are listening to the show, so I think it's um, better to give them a full explanation. If they're taking their time to listen to the show, we might as well give them some value, right? That's it. Yep. So, you know, yeah, in our first story, you know, um, Astronomer, astronomy enthusiast, um, had some really good supermoon pictures. Uh, there's still a supermoon on Sunday, which is mm. nine. What is it? Nine thirty-six. Um, I think it was. Oh no, I'm sorry. It was one a.m. on Sunday, and then on Thursday, I think it was the nine o'clock one. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Did you see that the supermoon that was on um, on? Um, that just happened. No, I didn't get a chance to see it. Mm-mm. Yeah, unfortunately, I was out running the streets and still didn't look up in the sky. But it was a big, it was a super moon, and I think the next one, <laughs> I think the next one is, um, I think in another twenty years. I think it's gonna be a while before the next one. Um, so I, I wanted to make sure I mentioned that because. I think I was asked about it, and I forgot all about the supermoon. Um, you know, okay, so I never do a Pamela Anderson story, but I thought this was an interesting story. She revealed how police reacted after a stalker broke into her house in 2001. So it this this fan comes in. The girl was 27. She was charged with a misdemeanor trespassing charge and an unauthorized entry after she breaks into her house um, wears her bathing suit from, um, what was the show that she was on, Baywatch? And the woman fell asleep in Pam Anderson's bed wearing her bikini. Yeah, the girl felt real comfortable doing some stupid stuff like that. <laughs> right, but she only got like a misdemeanor trespassing, and then the police had to never go to her and be like, hey, you want your swimsuit back? Like, yeah, I got that back there. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, it was iconic until this happened, put it all, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, it, it weird, weird, weird story for them to actually, um, 
actually do. But anyway, Pam Anderson recently told this story. She wrote another um, another book, but she talked about for the first time about how police treated her when a, when when somebody came into her house. So it just doesn't just doesn't happen to black folks. Police don't have that much empathy when it comes to um, dealing with dealing with their own humanity and i think they don't cheat that in the police department that um they have to they're peace officers this is not the military you're peace officers you're trying to work on behalf of the citizens and you know that police um i was going to say this earlier but i think that what happens is that people don't know that the police officers don't really know the law they're not paralegals they detain you until somebody else makes a judgment on if you broke the law or not. You're right. They do not know it. They don't know the law. They're, they they are not paralegals. They just say, hey, I caught you speeding, and here's your ticket. And you go to court and say, hey, traffic flow was this way, and I was just following traffic. And the judge says, okay, and let you go. But they don't enforce. They, they are peace officers generally. They can cite you, but they don't make prosecution decisions. Now, the U.S. economy added um, 800 and uh, I'm sorry, 187 jobs in off in August, and um, so according to the official data that was released on Friday, the report shows that there's credence to the chance of avoiding a recession. And remember, that's all the Republicans kept saying for the last two years: "Oh, we're going into a recession. What's going to happen with the economy?" And they were willing for this, like willing it to happen because they thought it would look bad on the president. But apparently mm-hmm. the adjustments that the Fed has made um, has staved off that. So spending is going up. Prices are coming down. I wish gas prices would, but that's another story. But yeah, if they're, that. Jeez. Oh, my gosh. I dread going to the gas station, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll keep that to yeah. myself. Yeah. So it could keep the Federal Reserve from further interest rates um, because the job numbers are, are good again. Um, and, again, they have been good for the last um, probably, I want to say since Biden has been in office. We're back to pre-pandemic numbers um, as far as employment is concerned. Now, a Proud Boys leader got get an 18-year prison sentence. And it's tied for the longest amongst the Capitol rioters. So this guy, Ethan Nordine, was, um, his sentence ties the previous longest term sentence from the Oath Keepers founder, um, Stuart Rhodes, in May. And again, the prosecutors were asking for 30 years. You're right. And them fools only, them fools only got 18. Hmm. Now, now we could do, what you say? I didn't understand that when they should have gave them all 30 years. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so again, we can do this all day, but if they was black, you steal a slice of pizza, they'd be like, we're going to mm-hmm. give you 25 years to set an example. But they can't exactly. set an example with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so check this out. While the Republicans are still, like, covering up, the House um, Administration Committee set ground rules for reviewing the, um, the the CCTV, which is the closed-circuit TV, inside of the Capitol um, from the 2001 insurrection because media outlets were, want access, but Congress don't want them to see it. 
they don't want you. To, they don't want you to see people, people peeing inside the Capitol and defecating on the rugs in the Capitol, because they want to be like, oh, they were peaceful. So the Congress now yeah. is trying to access to that footage. Republicans. Then they then they release it to uh, Sucker Carlson. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah. Right. So they release it to him. But now they want to um, limit access to the security footage. But they gave a, lo- a ton of it to Tucker Carlson. Again, we need to stop treating them fairly because they're not treating everybody else fairly. So we can't right. keep – it's like playing a game where you play by the rules, but the other team is cheating, but you still stay within the rules. Right. you got to end that at some point. Now, the the government is suing South – um, SoCal Edison, which is Southern California's Edison Power Company, for a hundred million dollars in damages from the 2020 Damn. wildfire. Yeah. Damn. So the Bobcat Fire in um, the Angeles Los Angeles National Forest, uh, which is above Los Angeles, was one of the largest fires in the history of LA County. And just like what they're saying about the Hawaii fire, I've seen some footage, but I don't know how. If that's totally responsible for the fires that happen in Hawaii, but some of the power lines during the storm, they usually, you know, bring down the current, and it shows the power lines sparking um, those fires. And so here, um, you know, the U.S. is suing them, which I think that they're probably going to sue the power companies in Hawaii for their role in um, not powering down those power lines and, and starting those fires during the um during the storm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I, I, will, I don't know if I should do the story, but Rudy Giuliani, I'll just say this. He pled not guilty in the election case, but he won't atten- attend the arraignment. So they're giving him a little room, but he's like, no, no, I, I'm pleading not guilty. Those guys are going to jail. I know, I know people think that Trump won't go to jail, but once all of them are convicted... Can you imagine um, Rudy Giuliani and, you know, their attorneys and all of those guys literally going to jail? How that's going to look? Because when Trump is still trying to run for president, those guys are going to get locked up. And, and I'd like to remind people, again, history. After the Reagan administration, I think it was about 100 and something people who were convicted of crimes inside that administration. I think it was something like 70, 70 people who went to jail. But they, wow. there was all crimes. And that's amazing that that happens under Republican administrations. You know, I think right. there's only two or three during Obama. But during Bush, uh, George W. Bush, I want to say there was about 40-something people who went to jail. Mm. You know, sweeping up under the rug and talking about uh, term limits. See how term limits didn't help as president? <laughs> they still keep bringing these criminals into, you know, into those spaces because all they do is use donors. There's ways around term limits. That's why that I keep saying that that's not a a fail safe at all. You know, so we have to be really conscious about thinking that. Hey, if we put all we need is term limits and we get some new people in there, those um, kids carrying the tiki torches. They were not that old. They were young yeah. folks. So you put a term limit, put one of them fools in there, you know, 
to like um what's that that Bobert woman like that she's young yeah but they're crazier than whatever they're crazy folks so yeah you don't want you don't want term limits on that mm-hmm. now a California college ethics for um, professor was exposed for lying about being Native American for 15 years. Uh, <laughs> and the school wow. let her quietly retire and keep her be- benefits and title. So Andrea Smith uh, will reportedly be allowed to keep her current position through August of 2024. When she retires, uh, she'll be allowed to teach class until then. Um, but upon her departure, she will retain her benefits and will be permitted to use her honorary, honorary emeritus title. Uh, mm. And a separate agreement comes in the wake of a recent complaint by more than a dozen faculty members who accused her of violating academic integrity about lying about her Native American lineage. Now, I don't know if I agree with this, right? Like, well, I, I think I agree with her keeping her tenure and being able to retire because I don't think they hired her because she was native I think she just kept telling the lie because you know sometimes your families be like you know we have this or that and um, you know the other faculty members are mad at her because she was saying that so I don't I don't know what to think of that story but anyway she gets to retain her benefits you know, you know, everybody gets to lie about being native, but black people <laughs> who are native. Really? Exactly. Black people are indigenous to North America, but we're the only people who, you know, go to 23andMe and, and all of those um, <laughs> ancestry. And they be like, oh, you don't have no native people in your, <laughs> your gene pool. Really? But, really? And you know what's interesting? At the same time, here's a, a, a slight you know, caveat here is that when black people get, and I would see this on the internet, so I'm just correcting internet um, folklore, but when I see black people say all black people have what European blood in them, that is not true. Just want to put that out there for the record. It is because all Europeans have black people's blood in them is the problem. Right? Exactly. And I don't mean blood like they're just mutations of black people to begin with. Black people have been on the planet longer. They are, we have from, whether you go back to the Lucy um, Y chromosome stuff, all white people have black people's DNA in them. It's not the other way around. That is a power control issue when you're trying to oppress people, is to make them think, oh, you're a part of us. But truly the trick is, that you cannot, under no circumstances, get black from white. White comes from black. Hmm. So yes. if you want to, exactly. yeah. If you want to um, send your comments to Jay, that's fine. But <laughs> I can explain this. Hey, I could do an hour on this. I would let I lecture on this stuff sometimes. So if you want to really talk about this, we can. But stop, stop believing. Uh, when people are trying to put you in a position that is making you still worship white Jesus, right? Like when people keep telling you stuff, they're making you revere something else, and it's not true. Again, it's dumb to be racist, like it's crazy, but at the same time, um, the truth is not you being racist against white people. But Mm -hmm. that's how their mindset works, is that 
we're told that anytime you say black, that means anti-white, and that's not the truth. That is being brainwashed. Yeah, that's that's you being brainwashed not to um, not to confront authority. I said this, and you just listen and keep going. Mm-hmm. So anyway, all right. Now um, you know, scientists is saying again. I've and over the years, I know I've done a lot of these stories, but these they keep popping up in science. But scientists are saying that there's an Earth-like world that it could be hiding inside of our solar system. So this time, right. Japanese astrologist says that that planet is waiting to be um, discovered, and it's much closer than um, to home than what's called Planet Nine, because we know that there's a huge planet that's keeping us um, in orbit. That's probably coming in and out. That's within our solar system. We just can't see it. Isn't that interesting? Like we keep saying mm-hmm. that there's nine planets or eight now since Pluto is technically not a planet. But there's another mm-hmm. huge planet in our solar system that we don't we don't see. It might be close to us because we're so damn crazy that we want to kill anything that doesn't look like us. Exactly. <laughs> so, hey, go ask the Dogon people. They may help you out. But since I don't like to ask black people for stuff, <laughs> they actually know. Um, if you don't know anything about the Dogons, they said that we come from the Sirius star system, and they were able to map the stars before telescope was invented. Things that you can't see in your right, from the naked eye, they actually knew existed before Europeans came through and said, oh, we can see it now. I think they were saying that. We don't care. We can care less that you can see it. Now, uh, now, uh, disgraced Wells Fargo uh, um, executive um, Carrie, um, I want to say is told. Uh, I don't know her last name, but I can't remember it. I did try to memorize it. But this disgraced Wells Fargo executive, um, who's behind the bogus account scandal that caused caused the bank, it cost them three billion dollars. Wow. She only. Faced a year in prison. It cost them three billion dollars, and they're saying um, the judge wants to send corporate crooks a clear message: you can mess up three billion dollars and get year, a year in jail. So she agreed to um, a plea agreement in March to obstructing a bank examination in relationship to the scandal, and. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Wells Fargo wow. three billion dollars to settle a federal um, civil and criminal probe. That you mm. know they caused. They were one of the the banks that caused the housing crisis stuff, foreclosing on people. So and then they made all these fake bank accounts, and they actually got kickback from federal government for it. <laughs> so you know, you know, if you pay three billion dollars to settle a case, how much money do you think they actually stole? Man. Can you imagine? Wow. That was their their penalty was three billion dollars. Damn. This woman this woman is gonna get a year in prison. And if you don't know anything about sentencing, a year is literally probably three months. <laughs> she's yeah. probably gonna be out in like three months. Yeah. If she's sentenced to a year. But yeah, yeah. Again, we we've, we've heard all kinds of stories about People getting shot for stealing something out of Walmart or 
or somebody getting a slice of pizza and getting 15 years, she $3 billion she cost them. Mm. She's going to get about three months. All right, so, again, the moral of this story, children, is white-collar crime don't get you in jail like anything, like everything else. White-collar crime is a little different. <laughs> I'm not telling you to do crime, not at all, but I'm telling you yeah. the sentencing disparities are very different. Now, um, a woman 37 in West Virginia suffered a stroke that was triggered by an amusement park ride at a county fair. And they're saying just one of just 20 cases ever worldwide has happened from an amusement um, from an amusement park ride. Man. It brought on a it brought on a stroke. Really? Yep. They said midway through the don't ride, they, the woman. Don't they forewarn you about that before you get on it, though? I don't think you know. They said midway through the ride, she just she had a headache, and when she got off the ride, she suffered. It triggered a stroke. Now, I, I can tell you, I was I'm, at Six Flags, I thought he said this, this ride could cause this, that they ride at your own risk and all this other stuff. They used to do that all the time at Six Flags. Yeah. I can't think of that ride. It's like bumper cars, you know, when you're jarring your head from side to side, you know, on roller coasters mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, your organs are floating on water. Your brain is floating on water. So you can hit, it's what CT's. CT is like when people have head trauma, you hit mm-hmm. your head and your brain smashes against your skull, right? Because it's floating. So anytime you have jarring head movements, you're susceptible to having, you know, some kind of, you know, brain injury. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm hesitant on bringing this up because I just recently found this out. But it's one, um, and, and it's a name for it. I was told what the name was. But when people say, you know, women should play football and they should do everything else that everything that a man, man should do, um, I don't think women understand that your uterus can literally fall out of you from carrying head, heavy weights. Really? Yes. I didn't know that, but the, the women who I talked to about that, the one, one of them actually gave me the name, the term. The other one mm. said her doctor told her, and... There was someone else that said, yes, we knew that. And so whether wow. you want to have children or not when you're young, you need to know that there are things that you should not do. It's like when a guy gets a hernia from straining. So women don't have the, the same, you know, muscle mass and strength, and you can literally have that happen to you. So I'm sorry to be given medical, uh, <laughs> our medical portion of the program, but that actually is true. And that can happen. So, yes, little girls should not be playing in the same – probably once you hit puberty, puberty, you should probably not do some of the same things that guys do. But I don't believe in full contact stuff, just like the natives don't either, that they don't put women in those positions. But, again, in this country, we seem to think that that's that's something that we should consider. Um, but like I like to tell people, you know, most feminists that are telling, you know, black women, you know, you, you don't need to be married and you need to be a strong woman and blah, blah, blah. Most of those feminists are married. <laughs> so, you know, watch who you take advice from. <laughs> telling you you don't need a man while they're married. So, anyway, thought I'd share that. Now, 
there's an ADHD drug, Ritalin, that they said can help wean people off, uh, Americans off of cocaine, according to a new study. Mm. So researchers from the University of Virginia say that in their studies that um, the drug triggers a reduced dependency on cocaine, which will help treat cocaine addiction, although scientists admit results in humans were more mixed. So about 5 million Americans are estimated to use cocaine every year, with about 25,000 dying from it annually. And so, yeah. Yeah, so the, even they said the U.S. market and international trafficking and crime is estimated worth um, $34 billion, the cocaine trade. So, but anyway, Damn. they send the drugs. Wow. Help. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, I, I know I've done stories in the past where they had these huge busts and stuff, and these huge networks are still bringing that drug into this country. Because we don't grow um, those plants in this country. No, but we they don't. Get here. <laughs> yeah, but they, they definitely get here, right? Ah, yeah. yeah. That is so, for sure, because we don't got no planes, we don't have any of that stuff, but it sure enough gets you. And we but, go to jail know, for it. I was going to say, but you know who the people are who go to jail? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, um, vaping may lower men's sperm counts and shrinking of their testicles, according to a new study. Uh, but they said it's more <laughs> the normal, regular cigarettes. They say are more har- harmful. So the authors of the study said that it should be considered that although e-cigarettes cigarettes are liquid, uh, it can introduce it can be um, just as harm, harmful as regular, you know, cigarette smoke. So whether you're doing the liquid or, you know, tobacco, it's still mm. pretty much the same. It increases mm. in oxidative stress and causes um, changes inside your testicles for guys. Uh, but these are regular c- cigarettes, which have been long tied to male infertility, were um, even worse in terms of lowering sperm count and um, disrupt sexual function. So, you know, uh, again, our men's, men's health segment brought to you by somebody else. I don't know about this. <laughs> now, you know, now claims that the world is becoming overpopulated has been talked about for decades. But do you know that everybody in the world, in the world, in like Iran, in that one country, like that's how, that's a, that's how congested, um, you know, that's how much land is available to us. And, and that's what giving everybody at least four acres. You can put everybody in the world in that one country. So that's a myth that, that white folks across the world has been putting out. Bill Gates, the World Health Organization, yeah. how are we going to feed all, feed all these people? We'll stop chemicals in food and allowing people to grow their own food and stop regulating who can grow food and what foods can be grown. This is how dirty they are, man. Yeah. Even even if you want to grow your own food, they control the seed population. Yeah. I mean, they, what the hell, man? Right. You know, you're buying up all these farms because you want to kill people off and thin the herd out. The COVID wasn't enough to kill enough people. Now they're saying by 2025, 
there's going to be another um, another um, virus that hits that's going to decimate some more of the community. I'm like, good God, man. This yeah, is some this of those, going to Some of those viruses are hindered by the fact that um, the foods that we're consuming are um, either helping or hurting us during virus season, right? Mm-hmm. So those synthetic foods are not giving you um, any nutrients so your bodies are not being able to fight off disease because you're doing all of this processed food that has no nutrients in it. So and I, you know, but, I, was, I was talking to Jay and Vanessa about that, and then when we were, when we were in Mexico, my cousin bought a Coke, and he said, man, I, I've, been, I've been wanting the Coca-Cola on the ship, and da 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 we didn't buy the drink packages anyway. I said, that drink, I said, that Coca-Cola is going to taste different than it does in the United States. He said, why? I said, because they, they, they put so much additives and everything else in ours. That's why I'm telling you. So, yeah. He got I that Coca-Cola popped it open. He was like, hey, this don't taste the same. I said, I'm telling you. Yeah. Yep. They, you get um, addicted to the high fructose corn syrup and stuff. You know, our food mm-hmm. manufacturers... Or have been saying they've been doing this for years, even with potato chips, right? Putting stuff in it to make you want more potato chips. So they're chemically trying to manipulate food to make you addicted to their food. That's what they say about Chick fil A. Chick fil A is the same way. Chick fil A has 52 additives in it to to make you keep coming back to it. I was like, wow. Yeah, I and I just saw something about that where they have 50 attitudes and I think something like um, 35 of them are man-made chemicals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, or manipulated chemicals. So, you know, they're saying, you know, even though they're talking about overpopulation, um, they said the lack of new babies are um, is what experts are saying that they're concerned about. So Japan mm-hmm. announced this week that as many as a third of 18-year-old women uh, may never have children due to a, what they call a sex recession that was hung wow. over for decades. So one out of every 10 Japanese men in their 30s are still virgins. In their 30s. What? Yeah, one out of every 10. And the country's Damn. fertility rate dropped from... 1.5 in 1992 to 1.3 births per woman in 2020. So the lack of babies being born is already having um, real-world impact. So Japan's economy has stalled, and the country has lost its place as an economic superpower. And here's why. They're saying that, um, that the life expectancy is high, so they have an aging population, and a shrinking workforce with fewer taxpayers. So their economy mm. is getting hit because they're not having babies. Mm. Wow, because at one point in time, they were telling them how many people, how many babies they could have, and not anymore. No more than that. Yeah. So, wow. And, and experts are warning that Europe, U.S. is barreling towards the same fate with the mm. fertility rates at historic lows and increase of sexless relationships. Um, as well have the one of the um, lowest birth rates in the world. Mm. So the U.S. is getting getting there, too. Um, he said the number of American women with at least one child 
has fallen to just 52.1% from 60% um, even 20 years ago. So while the number of men dropped to 39%, I'm sorry, from and these numbers end in 2019, so they're not up to, to today. But the average American woman under 45 has 1.1 children, but the average man um, under 45 has 0.1 children. Dang. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. These these numbers are coming from the National Center for Health Statistics. There's a report that comes out, and you know, in this country, I think there's we're up to 29 states that have a negative birth rate amongst white people. So the birth yeah. rate is not the communities are not there, but according to our last census, that white folks more white people are dying to being born. So now you're hearing all these studies about people should go out and get pregnant again. And that's where the fight where they don't want abortion. And that Congress, they're seeing these numbers. White people, racist mm-hmm. people are seeing these numbers. And they're like, mm-hmm. the numbers are going bad. So they don't want white people to have abortions, but I don't think they really care that anybody else have them. If they can have mm-hmm. this, those centers in black communities, they would do it. So holding up story. Now, I don't hmm. know if you saw um, Simone Biles, who I think it was last yeah. week, um, mm-hmm. uh, won another um, championship, U.S. championship. So she added um, last Sunday um, her record eighth U.S. championship yeah. all around at the age of 26, um, mm-hmm. 10 years after winning her first one. <laughs> and um, so she earned a place at the World Championships in Antwerp, um, um, in Belgium on September 30th. <clears throat> but hmm. she still won't answer questions whether she'll complete in the Olympics. All right. She's, she's like, right. She let, she's like, let's play this by ear. She's married and stuff now. She don't care about y'all. Mm-hmm. And you know who, who I am, you know, and and just, just remember I am talking like fictitiously. But you know who I actually love now? Is the the girl who won um, the track? What is her name? Shakari. Shakari Richardson. Yeah. I yeah. love her too, man. I do. That young girl I, has brought it on, man. I love. I love her attitude. I love the fact yep. that she that she won right by the white media and went to the black media who was supporting <laughs> her at all times. Is like I'm talking to no, y'all. Thank you. She said, "No, thank you." No, thank you. No, thank you. And you know the biggest thing that I love about her, I love about what she did, was she went to them. I, I mean, when, what happened is that when she was young, and she said she did an interview when her mother passed or her grandmother passed, mm-hmm. and people ripped her. So white yeah. media just ripped her, had no empathy for her at all, and anything that mm-hmm. she was going to, and did not give her a break. So now that she's winning, she's like, no, thank you. No, thank you. She's like, Shikari is not playing with them. And I love her way she's handling the fact Mm -hmm. that I'm just going to go do it on the track and I'm going to talk to my Mm -hmm. people. Right. I don't need y'all no more. I love her, man. I like this girl. She she embodies a spirit that I just love, man. I do. I do. Yeah, and that and I think she's showing them that she never need, needed them. 
she she said, and I, I think I posted this. I reposted some an interview where she was like, I did this for myself, for my people, and for anybody who um, who looks like me and supported me. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's very mature. Track is an individual mm-hmm. race. Nobody gets out gets up in the morning with her and works out. They don't know what kind of effort she put into it, and they dogged mm-hmm. her, her personally when she lost. Yeah, it wasn't sure came in last. No, but they went. Yeah, so I, I yeah, hope that she said she smoked weed. I was like, okay, she she went through a trauma, traumatic loss in her life. She smoked weed. Yeah. To to cop to 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 deal with the situation and y'all dog got in everybody oh we coming once to uh once to for, for her endorsement I was like don't do it baby girl do not do it because then once they got you in them clutches you're done you're done right as long as you don't get used to the money just get it and stash it but yeah. here's the thing what happens when she tested positive for weed. That was before the Olympics, so they would not let her go to the Olympics because she tested for weed prior. This mm-hmm. white girl who, um, she tested positive for performance-enhancing. Weed does yes. not enhance your performance, right? Mm-hmm. The white girl who did, um, she, she tested positive because she was taking, I don't know what kind of steroids or whatever performance-enhancing stuff that she was taking, and they let her go to the Olympics. Right. So they wouldn't let Chicago. For weed. Yeah, for weed. Yeah. Yeah, because she tested positive in it. So, again, much respect to her um, yeah. for sticking by her guns and finding the strength in her. And I'm glad that she did that before she, uh, you know, here's the irony of life is that going through that experience let her know that everybody wasn't on her team. So it's not exactly. her when you have nothing and people turn their back on you so that when you do have something, you know how to watch out for um, people who are hanger-ons or people who are now starting to be your friends. Mm-hmm. White, white media showed their hand on her, and now she won't deal with them. And I mean, she went directly to black reporters and was like, hey, how you doing? She was nice and sweet and courteous mm-hmm. and kind, just mm-hmm. like she normally was. But mm-hmm. she's like, I'm not dealing with this. You're not going to build me up just to tear me down. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, when she started talking oh. to that white media, I was like, yeah, got me that girl. You did. You uh-huh. got me with that one. Yep. All right. So here's the story that I've been waiting on. So for those who guys who are not sports fans, this, this is the story I was waiting on. Did you see the Colorado game yesterday? Yes, I did. Okay. So NFL Hall of Famer Deion Sanders had Colorado ready uh, to play in their opener when they won um, 45-42. to 42. Their mm-hmm. Saturday win over 17th-rate TCU, um, who was last year's national runner-up, mind you, was their first win, uh, um, Colorado's first win of a major um, team since 2002. So, mm-hmm. you know, people were... Um, jumping on him because he left Jackson State nine months ago to come there. His son left. Um, He had a record-setting day. He threw for 510 yards and four touchdowns, right? Uh And, um, you know, the other guy, um, what's his name, Travis Hunter, 
who played uh-huh. on offense defense at Jackson State, had a remarkable game with some great interceptions. Um, mm-hmm. He had five catches, 135 yards. This guy, Jimmy Horn, had 11 catches, 117 yards. Um, Xavier Weaver had six catches, 118 yards. And um, there was one more um, guy who was a freshman, and they were like, why would you go Dylan Edwards? That's who it was, the freshman. Um, they were asking, why did they go to, to, to Colorado? And Dion coached him since he was in Pop Warner. And he would to be, I am glad that kid had a great game. So, you know, um, Coach Prime, as they call him, delivered his message to future opponents and looked directly into the camera and said, we told you we were coming, we told you we were coming, you thought we were a joke, and guess what? We keep receipts. So everybody who was talking noise, <laughs> Colorado, who has 80 newcomers on the team, 80, they, I think they only kept six or eight players from last, from last year, they went and beat TCU. And, and it showed hard. They outlasted them, and their offense yeah. was no joke. And nobody can ever say that Shadar um, Sanders is in that position because his dad is the coach. Shadour threw some. He threw some passes that landed, I mean, you know, 40, 50-yard passes that dropped right in the kids' hands. And they mm-hmm. dropped a lot of them. But yeah. his efficiency was crazy. You know, I was – I was thinking he was Randall Cunningham's son, the way his arm was. I was like, dang, I don't remember. No disrespect to Dion, but I'm just saying, he, he looked like he came from a quarterback family, right? Yeah. Like, the yeah. other son is playing defense, but his his athletic building is off the, off the charts. You know, and I do want to Yeah, and I want to give a shout-out to my fellow alum, Pilar Sanders, who's alum <laughs> with us. We went to the same school. So I, I see her on social media posting a lot of stuff with her kids. So shout out to to Pilar as well. But they they Man, she, she ran she was fine fine sister. Yeah, but she mm. she was she was not just a model. She she ran track. She's an athlete herself. Well, really. So those okay. kids, those, yeah, those kids are athletes. And so much respect to the the work that they've done. But you know how this goes when people were talking noise with Dion. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Dion's interview was almost like Shikari's yesterday, where he said, listen, y'all doubted us, and that's your business. And I think I forgot what the, the question the reporter asked, but he pretty much said what he thought of Dion. He goes, I don't care what anybody thinks of me. I proved, he said, he did his work, right? Mm-hmm. He, said, he said, I don't have anything to prove to anybody. Dion is probably... Best, best athletes that played pro football. Two-way player, speed out of the, you know, there's no Michael Jordan. The only one I can was better was Bo Jackson. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No, no doubt. doubt. Man. But Bo Jackson, got, Bo Jackson got hurt, right? He had yeah. hip problems. He didn't play as long as Deion. Mm-hmm. But Deion is the only player who went from the World Series to the Super Bowl in the same year that they flew him yeah. back and forth. Yeah. So, all I'm saying is Dion owned his his value of being in the Hall of Fame. So we can't mm-hmm. take that away from him, no matter if you like him or not. 
so I like how he's, uh, I'm sure you've seen those clips on social media where he's saying to the players, if you're not respectful to women, you cannot be on my team. If you're exactly. not going to do this, you cannot be, if you're not going to class, you can't be here. He is raising them, which is going to get him in more trouble than even him winning. Mm-hmm. Is People have problems with that. You know, they had of that course. problem with him at Jackson State. The athletes are supposed to be dumb jocks. They're not supposed to have any respect. They're supposed to be animals. They're all this other stuff. And he, he's taking a, he's taking a whole different approach, man. And got a lot of yeah. about him, man. But, but know, he did that. You know, I, I was I, I, at my house there. They had a bunch of Jackson State alumni, and then a lot, a lot of people on social media was calling Colorado Jackson State West, man. I was like. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even mind that. Because um, his son said um, in his interview, they were asking him about that, or or he said, we came from Jackson State, and y'all kept saying that it's going to be different in a Power 5 conference. We came from Jackson State. But we know from from sweetness from Walter Payton coming from Jackson State that you play football, you play football. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Jerry Rice came from HBCU. Mm-hmm. You know, so Doug Williams came from Grambling. So when people say, oh, you came from Jackson State, now you're playing with the big boys, it's like big boys just got their butt handed to them. Yeah. So, and again, no disrespect to TCU. We're just saying I can tell that the announcers in that game were still pulling for TCU. Mm-hmm. I think, right? So – they didn't give him credit till the end of the game mm-hmm. <laughs> on what Jackson State was doing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, look at all the stuff that we have to go through just generally just to be in a regular game with someone. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But they, they showed out. So much, yeah, much respect. Yeah. I'm, Most I'm, you know, so I'll, if we can ever get our ESPN back, um, they're striking against our um, cable people right now. <laughs> but um, <laughs> lucky that uh, game came on Fox, so we was able to yeah. watch it. But at twelve mm-hmm. noon Eastern Standard Time, I will be watching Colorado. Colorado is going to be America's new favorite, uh, Black America's mm-hmm. favorite new team, and they're going to be um, they're going to be the Raiders. You know, like they're going <laughs> to they're going to be the Raiders. Al Davis might well be their general manager. Exactly. Because nobody, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they, they're not coming off as cocky or anything. They're just saying, "Look, y'all don't have any expecting. Y'all don't expect anything from us, but we're gonna we're gonna go out there and play." So, you know, one of the players missed a tackle or a catch or something, or fumbled the ball, and um, Dion went over and hugged him, talked to him. And they still ended up winning the game. Like, people could have blamed the game on him. But in real time, when it happened, you know, he, he just he embraced them. He, yeah. is, he is raising those kids to be, you know, um, to be good souls. So, much respect to Dion for that. Most definitely. But, yeah. So, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure we're going to have a lot of – I'm going to be having a, a Colorado um, update. Uh, each show, because <laughs> as, as time goes on, you're gonna watch like Bowles try to shun them or whatever. But they're gonna they're gonna have some issues with that man. 
Um, no doubt. Oh, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. So, yeah. So, so I guess we said, um, oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. So, yeah. So, with such a good story, I just feel like I shouldn't, um, <laughs> shouldn't do a bad story before we end. So, let's see. All right. Um, all right. So, you know, I'll do a weird story. So in Australia, okay. this woman, um, Amber Luke, um, made headlines for her appearance. She has over 98% of her body covered in tattoos. Wow. wow. She, check this out. She went blind because um, of her tattoos and piercings. She had tattooed her eyeballs bright blue. Yeah, I saw that for three yeah. weeks. Okay, how crazy are you to want your eyeballs tattooed? But okay, it's a, mm. I, I was going to say it's a free country, but it happened in Australia. So <laughs> that would be our weird story of the day. And we'll, <laughs> I'm just going to have to leave it on that one. Because, wow. again, yeah. that is nuts to have. Mm. You know, I'm not saying you can't have a tattoo. Tattoo, tattoo your eyeballs. Oh, My God, that was crazy. You know, that I don't think that crazy. would be painful, but... Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not a tattoo person, so, you know, man. You know, oh, by the way, quickly, um, I know we're up against it, but researchers in Israel who examined data on um, over 3,000 people found that a quarter of men and nearly 4 in 10 women had bad BMI, which is body mass index, um, which had um, so much body fat that they could classify as obese. And up to a third of people with slim BMI might actually be fat, according to researchers. I thought I'd leave us with a laugh today. <laughs> Don't believe none of that stuff. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, there you have it. That, that would be our weird and our um, um, fake research news of the day. And we'll cool. just check you guys out next week. All right, All right, my brother. We'll see you next week. Well, I won't see you next week. I'll be in Phoenix, Arizona. So, yeah, I'll oh, see you a week after that. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, they, I mean, I don't know you can't stay out of that sun, but at least bring some sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, I got it. <laughs> I got it. All right. All right. I'll see you. All right. All right. Have a good week. All right. You too, bro. Yep. Later.